Welcome to Critter Apocalypse episode 200. What was that? Welcome to what? Critter Apocalypse. You said Critter Apocalypse. I said Critter Apocalypse. You said Critter Apocalypse. You are a racist. Just because you don't understand my language that I made up right now, just to wind you the fuck up. Um, welcome to Critter Apocalypse episode 224. That's right, a completely normal name for a normal podcast about normal things. And how are you doing? I'm just dusting the microphone. Why are you dusting the microphone? ASMR. Great. How have you been, Ant? That's how you get the kids in nowadays. And how have you been? Um, pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. That was actually quite good, that. I'm going to... Um, Did you hear that? We had some bad news this week, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, we had some bad news. Your favourite YouTuber, Jared the Completionist, was holding on to a bunch of money. My God, I've watched like two videos of them. 200 videos, and you oh. are a super fan by that. I've got some more ASMR to do. Yeah. Ready? Um, ready? 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 Everyone's going to enjoy this one. Shh. That's actually knocking quite a lot of dust off the mic, actually. I should probably dust the mic. Anyway, I hope everyone's okay with that. That's going to sound fucking terrible. Yeah, it is. Can you see how much that peaked? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not going to deal with that, though, are we? No. Yep. Um, Noise reduction will deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so Jared, the completionist, um, was holding on to money that was for a charity. Gerard the complete it guy. Yeah, Gerard the guy who has... Just fucking too much time on his hands. Um, he uh, yeah, he held on to six hundred thousand dollars for ten years that he was telling people he was donating to charities. Never did. Fucking weird. Yeah, similar to that. Welcome to that Father Ted Quilly guy in Ireland. Who? That that guy. Just the you know he the money was just rested. Just in resting his account. Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing, right? You can use you can use mm. having money as a way of gaining capital or borrowing against money that you don't need to spend. So there are reasons to hold on to that amount of money, but they weren't for the charity reasons. They were for the bad reasons. Mm. But he released a video. I mm. don't recommend anyone watch it because it's boring as fuck. But it's twenty minutes of legalese written by a lawyer, from the sounds of things, because he is not making any real definitive statements that he's not done anything. It's all just sort of dancing around the point. Um, And now he's removed himself from the charity, and he's also no longer going to have IndyLand be part of the charity, which seems odd. Because no one would support... Yeah. (laughs) No one would support the fraud. No one's going to send money, (laughs) are they? Um, But yeah, and then, like, the video, he starts mentioning how he donated his mum's spinal cord and brain for testing so that they could further and mark... Like, further the the mm. study what did of... Did he do or did she have a donor? She probably had a donor. But it, it's just, it's like, it reeks of bringing up personal stuff instead of dealing with the actual issue, which is, just explain what you did. Don't mm. fuck about. Just explain it. But instead, he's obviously lawyered up and he's... Well, that's the thing. He didn't do anything. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, he did nothing. Sorry, there's a hair on the mic. But, um, anyway. That was actually quite a long hair. Um, so just, yeah, really grim shit. Yeah. Really grim shit. And it's a shame because, like, he did seem like he was genuinely doing something good and he tricked a lot of people. Like, even um, Jamie Lee Curtis donated to his charity and, and was at a couple of events that he did. So that's fucking gross. And poor her, because she does a lot of charity stuff. She's an advocate for all kinds of things. I think it's more that they're just really bad at managing a charity. I don't think no, it was no, a malicious thing. No, no, she actually thing. was there. Oh, no, wait, I mean, you think that they were just really bad? Well, at... I think his brother and his dad were the ones who actually... They were the ones they're actually the ones who see He's like bit... the face of it, though. Yeah. But I just think they're just really bad at managing a charity. Well... And they just the thought same... they could just leave the money there. 
they knew how to they knew how to file all the correct documents for the IRS, so mm. they knew how to manage the money as, as in part of the charity. Yeah, lucky, good for them. Yeah, lucky, eh? Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. It's just really sad. It's a shame. It's fucking. It's a bit grim, and no one really wants us in their lives. So we're going to go to a more positive note. Nigel Farage didn't win. Fucking help! I'm a celebrity. Get me out of there. Oh, we're um, new, he's doing the news thing again, are you? Yeah, we're just quickly just going to rattle off some of the news. Okay, yeah, yeah so uh, the cunt didn't win, which is good. Um, hopefully he gets dysentery and dies. And this week... It's not even a real jungle. I know it's not, it's just a stage. Yeah. It's fucking pathetic. And why did they hire him? Why did they put him on TV? Oh, because... Because um, a bunch of racist twats Because apparently him. people like him don't get... Um, to be on TV. Do apparently. they not? They're like no. on TV every five fucking seconds. Yeah. They don't have a GB News fucking TV program. No, no, they got their own channel. Fucking stupid, sodden, cunting, fucking racist pieces of shit. Fuck you all. Anyway, Ant, how you doing? Do you have any news? Have you been up to much? No, why would I have news? This is a podcast where we review things, not have news. Alright, well, yeah, you're you first this week, so I guess review something then. Yeah, if I can put you in your place. Put your money where your mouth can... is then. Alright. Um, do you know what I forgot to review? What did you forget to review? Um, Star Trek Lower Deck Season 4. Oh, yeah, how was that? It's pretty good. Oh, cool. Pretty good. They introduced a new character. Yeah, who's that? Can't remember her name. Fucking Vulcan Girl. Um, Talar, let's say that. It's usually something like that, isn't it? It's usually a name beginning with T, with the Vulcan ladies in Star Trek. Yeah. That's the show. Anyway. Um, just a fun series. It's sort of like they they have like a few little brief mentions of the little crossover they did with Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. So that was a really fun episode. Um, and it was just more silly space shenanigans. There was this ongoing storyline where there's like some ship who's turned up and it's like destroying all these different various alien races spaceships, like just coming across a Ferengi and just obliterating them out yeah. of nowhere. And gradually the series goes on because oh there's some, been some missing ships we should probably find out about that oh Starfleet's investigating some missing ships and stuff and you find out it's a whole big thing it was kind of a bit of a pointless plot twist but it was kind of fun because it was um it turned out to be the character I've forgotten the name of but it's the one that the guy who plays Tom Parrish Robert Duncan McNeil mm-hmm. he played a character in TNG in one yeah. episode yeah. where he was in the academy and him and Crusher and you know and some Crusher Will Will we and Wesley yeah. They had all done something. They'd done a dangerous stunt, and it ended up killing one of the students. And he was trying to get everyone to cover up for it, um, you know, to try and make it. So don't, don't tell him we did that dangerous stunt. It was something else entirely. Uh. Um, and then you know Wesley was like the linchpin of it, and he had to he, he confessed and said gave the truth, so that Robert Duncan McNeil's character would end up in jail. And the plan was originally that his character was going to be. The Tom Paris character, okay, on Voyager, yeah. they were going to bring him up, but they said no. You know what? He actually kind of did something a bit too bad, so maybe we should just come up with another character for. Robert he Duncan did. He did play. something quite murdery. Yeah, just you know, just just negligence. Yeah, yeah, but um, murder. By they brought him back as the villain for this series. He had this whole silly idea thing, but what was quite good about that episode was the original TNG episode was that one of the other ensigns in there was a Bajoran <laughs> girl. She turns up again in an episode of TNG in the seventh season called Lower Decks. <gasps> which is about the crew on the Enterprise that aren't the commanders, and she ends up getting picked to go on a really dangerous mission. At the end, she gets killed, and it turns out she was a friend. They sort of give this reveal that she was a friend of Mariner's, and Aww. her getting killed after her first like assignment on the Enterprise... Influenced Mariner. Kind of, you know, pissed her off a whole bunch. Yeah. Because, like, you know, they went out there, and she got killed, and that sort of destroyed her whole worldview. That's why Mariner's so pessimistic and doesn't see the point of progressing up ranks and stuff like that. And here I was thinking it was because she was cool. 
And she is cool as well. She's cool, cool, cool. But um, that was the finale of the upper season anyway. That's that ruined for you. Um, yeah, it was, there was other stuff, there's stuff going on. There's a big, 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 big finale. Big, 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 um, big, 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 big. It's a pretty decent series. It's just fun times. Doesn't, don't know, apparently they don't know yet if they've got a fifth season. Oh. Which is a bit weird. I feel that like they should because the show's pretty popular. Yeah, and also... But Paramount's um, also being really weird about its TV shows right now. Oh, okay. So they they cancelled Star Trek Prodigy, you know, the, the animated the show that's for kids. One, yeah. yeah. Um, but apparently that's now been picked up by by Netflix, so it's going to be on Netflix that's now. That's not surprising because Netflix like to purchase like cool t-shirt like that, don't but they? But why cancel it and then bring it to Netflix? But apparently they're also planning to buy that Acme versus... Wiley Coyote. Oh, that's actually going to get picked up now. Yeah, apparently Paramount Plus are the ones who are going to be getting it. But wouldn't they have got it before? Oh no, because it's Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's Warner. Because Warner doesn't have like uh, anything. Yeah, they a lot of their stuff goes on Netflix, doesn't it? No, that's true. Um, but, um same with Sony as well. But um, yeah, this is Lodex was quite fun. Silly episodes, nicely Boimler and all it's that. Always I like the... quite fun, isn't it? It's always quite a good show. It doesn't yeah. really doesn't really miss there's a fun one when they um they have to go on a mission and tendy and um what's his face the mechanic guy the engineer guy can't remember his name awkward guy with a robot eye boimler no that's boimler's the main guy mariner no not mariner tendy not tendy no the other one Him. mariner no but um they have to pretend they're a couple and obviously there's been a whole like well they won't leave thing going on but it turns out they just can't stand the idea of pretend of being a couple even pretending to be a couple. Why would they? Makes them sick. They've just got a nice little, I guess, an asexual friendship. They're best Good friends. Good for them. But they probably do bone. I don't know. You reckon they bone? Never remember. I reckon they might. Eventually. What's his name? Boimler. Bradwood. Mariner? No, Bradwood. Boimler's Bradwood. Bradwood Boimler. Yeah. I can't remember his name. I can't remember the name of the guy with the robot eye. can't remember the name of the robot eye. Because he's black, that's why you can't remember. Yeah, that's why. He's just. I remember Mariner. Remember her name? That's because you're attracted to her. Fucking. You and your attitude. <laughs> you freaking attitude. But, um, no. Lodex is fun. It's It it's gets just... the idea of Star Trek. It gets the whole idea that, you know, they should. Co- the, the whole point in Star Trek is that a bunch of people cooperate and figure out their problems and then solve their problems through cooperation and understanding. And that's something that the Star Trek Picard show didn't get much too in the first two series. Um, the show gets it. That's what Star Trek's about. There's a really good one where they get trapped in a cave. Yeah. And it's drawn to look like every single fucking cave set they used on Star Trek all the time. And they keep making a point of how like this cave looks really similar to other caves they've been on. What did the cave set look like on all the... They only had the one cave set on Star Trek. They used it all the time. Oh, just <laughs> the opening part, wasn't it? It was just... No, there's a whole bunch of bits. But they always have the same... There's a ring cave. There's like a slope that leads up to the top... There's always like a couple of entrances that people go and a couple of suspicious pillars. Same caves all the time. Pillar. But um, they have all they have these stories about when they got trapped in caves before on previous missions. Yeah. And it keeps flashing back and it's the same freaking cave. <laughs> it's the same drawing of the cave and there's like it was all a big test ways. That was quite a fun episode. That's cool. Um, their, their way of just like putting neat little references to other Star Trek stuff and like it's a little bit, you get that thing where it's a bit mawkish. I'm using good words there. Mawkish. I don't know that often. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... I'm going to talk about Mork and Mindy later. Yeah. But, um, you know how, like, lots of shows, it's all about the references and stuff, and it is in this, but they do it in a nice, loving way. It's not just to put the thing in there and be, like, jiggle the thing in front of you and go, mm. look at this thing you remember, you cunts. Um, I did quite like Moopsie. That was a new thing. 
they went to this planet with um, a bunch of animals in a zoo. Yeah. And there was a little tiny cute one. They got out. It's a monster. It sucks people's bones, drinks oh, their bones. The it's called Moopsie. I want a Moopsie. Yeah. I want a, mo- I want a Moopsie. But um, that was a fun one. But yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. Can't, can't go wrong with Lower Decks. And it's all on Paramount Plus for now. Mm. Who knows? They might move it. Until Netflix buys it. Because apparently Paramount Plus, the home of all of Star Trek, isn't anymore. Yeah. Well, I think Paramount's going to just disintegrate and it's going to fall apart soon. I, I tried to cancel my subscription because there was nothing I was currently watching and they asked me if I wanted to have it for half price for the next three months. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so now I've got it for half price for the next three months. I can watch Rise of the Beasts. Uh, well, it's once a day to make it worthwhile. I might sub and... I haven't watched um, the second series of Beavis and Butthead, so... Oh, yeah, that's on there. I'm going to have to get that watched at some point. Mm. Um, when's that new season of King of the Hill happening? Dale died, didn't he? So I don't know if it's actually going to be happening. I don't know. Well, mm. Brittany Murphy died years ago. That's true. Right. I forget about that. But they continued after she died, didn't they? I can't remember, did they? No, I don't know. Um, all right, my first review, speaking about death, is uh, about a cult called the Cult of Mother God. Didn't you do the cult last time? I did a different cult last oh, time. Okay. This is a new cult, Anne. Another American cult. Yeah, what's cult. different about this cult? So, this cult is like, They take advantage of a bunch of people who, who are having a tough time. Oh my god, no, it's so much funnier than that. Well, okay. it's funny in a very dark way. So, this this documentary, it's The Cult of Mother God. And it's the story of this woman who... Basically, she was a normal woman. She had two kids, she had a husband. And one day, she just upped and fucked off. And she went and started living with this 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 old dude... And she got into a relationship with this, like, 60-year-old man when she was, like, 28. She started, like, sparring all this nonsense about how she is God. She's Mother God, and she's going to, like, basically just save the world. And she takes on all the pain of the world, and she communes with the spirits of people that are dead, like, holy spirits, one of them being Robin Williams. We're going to get into that in a second. And, um, yeah, Robin Williams, Does the Does she actor. talk through Robin Williams' quotes? No, that no his I wish she him. did. I wish she did, because that would make it funnier. Anyway, so the documentary opens up on the police entering the property where the cult members have, after months of, months of slowly, her body slowly shutting down, she's finally died, and the cult members have locked her in her bedroom, covered her in Christmas lights, wrapped her in a sleeping bag, and mummified her with glitter and paint. Hmm. And so the the documentary opens with the footage of the police going into this cult cult property, kicking the door in, and we see her 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 very blue body. More on that in a second. Um, wrapped in wrapped in Christmas lights. Balls in a minute. And so we find out that the cult of Mother God is just this idea of spiritualism, and she is God on Earth, and she's convinced a bunch of people that she is God on Earth. Fucking and, morons. Yeah, Americans. Mm. And she has convinced them that, that the world is broken, and because the world's broken, they have to spread a spiritual message, mm. and they have to do faith healing. So she does what she calls uh, metaphysical surgeries, where she fixes people's uh, cancer, mental illness, physical ailments, broken bones, oh, via, good. Good for her. by ethereal surgeries. Oh, sweet. Where you don't even need to go to a doctor. Yeah. She just travels through the ether to you, yeah. fixes the problem, and then fucks off. You just have to donate some That's cash. That's good. Saves her money and um, bus Saves people money and time, right? Yeah. Um, Is this like those guys who like pull people's livers out of their... Are you talking about Man hands? on the Moon? You're talking about Man on the Moon. That's well, a real thing, though. I know it's a real thing when they yeah. take a squid and they deglove the squid in front of people to make it look like they're pulling the sickness out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not that. This woman just pretends she goes into your dreams and fixes you. Yeah. With the help of Robin Williams. And yeah. apparently Donald Trump. But more on that in a second. 
So she has spent by the by the time she gets very sick, she's spent about ten years brainwashing these people into thinking that five D is the way forward. So five D is fifth dimensional thinking and healing. Oh, not a dice. Not a dice. So by the time she gets very, very sick and she's begging to go to what they call a 3D church, they're like, no, your mother God, you'd never want to go to a church. A 3D church? 3D church. So third dimensional thinking is what we live on. Reality. The plane of reality. So just a normal church? Just a normal church or hospital. Yeah. Yeah, so she can't go to a 3D church, she can't go to a 3D hospital. No. She'd never want that, her believers say. So by the time she starts getting really sick, she's essentially trapped by her own lies. Sweet, that's fucking funny. And this documentary reads some of the journal entries of her followers who are like, Mum's been begging us to go to a 3D church. It must be a te- a 3D hospital, sorry. It must be a test. She must be testing us because Mother God would never want to go to a 3D hospital. So we're just increasing the treatments that we're giving her. And it's hinted at early in the in the documentary that they make their own colloidal silver. Do you know what colloidal silver is? Um, is fun. that stuff for like when someone's dead and you put it in their body? No, too, no, no. Then... So this is going to be a fun little education moment. Yeah. This is a crit apocalypse education corner. Uh. Colloidal silver is an old, old remedy for yeah. illness that never yeah. worked, never will work, and oh, should like never be used. Oh, like snake oil salesmanship. Snake oil. Yeah. If you if you consume enough of it, you can actually go blue. Yeah. See yeah. why she was blue at the beginning of the documentary? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. her corpse was... She was so full of colloidal silver, her body started turning blue. Sweet. It happens in a lot of people, especially bumpkins in the US where yeah. healthcare isn't free. Is it done using rocks? Pardon? Is it done using rocks? What, the colloidal silver? Yeah. No, they boil They boil like silver objects. Oh. And then the, the obviously like the stuff that comes off of the silver... Oh, it'll be the heated. impurities in it. It's the yeah. frigging cobalt and shit that's in yeah. there. So, uh, so anyway, so, so she... She is being treated by a bunch of nutcases that refuse to refuse to take her to a hospital. They're treating her by liquoring her up to the extent where she does not get a five D hospital on the ranch. Or no, something. she doesn't get five D. She is she the five D hospital. She, oh. So for months, this poor woman is trapped with a bunch of psychopaths that are firstly pouring silver down her throat and liquoring her up every minute. Mm-hmm. She's essentially by this point being pickled alive by alcohol and then being turned blue by silver. And this is all of her own design because the whole point of the cult in the beginning was that she just wanted to spread healing and she just wanted to smoke a fuck ton of weed and do a fuck ton of methamphetamine. Sweet. And that's essentially what she's built the whole cult around. So when she finally, her body starts finally breaking down and the alcoholism is like giving her psoriasis of the liver, it's stopping her legs from working because it's breaking down a lot of like the functions of her organs and such. Silver do that to you. No, that's the alcohol that oh. do that to you, Ant. The silver's turning her blue still. The alcohol just makes me pee a lot. Alcohol makes me pee a lot too, bud. We got yeah, that I, I think I've managed like five on the walk home once. Jesus. So anyway, so um, so basically, she is she is just pickling herself and turning herself blue. And then when she finally Sweet. does die, they lock the house down and don't allow police to do a welfare check because by that point, her sister and her mum are so concerned that they she hasn't been because she has like she. This is another one of those cults that works by Facebook and YouTube. So she's doing videos on YouTube and stuff, 
And she's like, hey, don't worry, gotta be giving me money, then I'll heal you of your illness. Not really, but in another plane of existence. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, she's not been appearing... Like, Mary's been looking a bit blue recently. <laughs> People do. What, she's been depressed? No, so, literally blue. This is the insane thing. So she's, towards the end of her this life... woman died, I can't believe you're laughing about towards this. Towards the end of her life, situation. she did a Dr. Phil interview where she's visibly very blue. Sweet. And she just, no one goes... And Dr. Phil's just like, yeah, this sounds right. Yeah, Dr. Phil's like, have you been drinking colloidal He's responsible for quite a few deaths, I, I think. know, he's a fucking psychopath as well. But anyway, so it's it's the Church of Mother God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth watching because every time you think to yourself, this can't get weirder, it gets weirder and it gets more fucking Oh, it can strange. always get weirder. <laughs> and it's, it's such an American thing, cults. Like, it's, there's 7,000 active cults in the US. Like, that's insane. Like, we don't get that shit here, do we? Well, each individual church. Yeah, but, like, they're churches. At least they're, like, kind of reading from the same book. These Mormons. are, like, proper cults where they're just... Me- yeah, well, Mormons are mostly an American thing as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the big-time cults. We get enough members, get a plot of land, fucking... Just move them in. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just... It's Native fucked. Americans just start... Oh, they did. They did casinos. This is incredible, though. It is an incredible documentary, and... and it's just sad. It's sad and it's it's really upsetting. But I think the reason that these things take hold in the US so much is because you don't have you don't have any sort of like free medical health treatment. You don't have any mental health facilities. You don't have like rehabilitation facilities outside of prisons. Except for private ones. Like you've got a perfect storm for these things to just grow because people are they're no, because sick. There are a whole bunch of people who are told they're right about everything and they're that. sick. They're desperate. God is the thing that will save them all. They are sick, they are desperate, and they are sad, and they are looking for answers, and they will go to the first person that tells them, hey, I can help you. And that's the problem. That's why there's so much of this shit going on in the US. The the actual fucking documentary is insane. It's very entertaining in a very dark and sometimes comedic way, despite the fact that you know this woman's going to die. It is fucking weird and funny. I'm seeing a movie. She keeps writing in her diary, I'm talking to Robin. He's telling me it's okay. The spaceship's coming on Wednesday. And it's like, and it's like I have to be a certain weight because the spaceship can only take so much weight. So I've got to be a certain weight to get on the spaceship. And then they're like looking in the sky like there's actually going to be a fucking spaceship on Wednesday. And you're sitting there like, Robin Williams died. He killed himself. You horrible people. This is ghoulish. And then you see her wandering around like a fucking Smurf. And then she can't walk, so she's been carried around like a fucking infirm Smurf. And you're just like, how is how are any of these people? Do these people believe this? And then there are people still in the fucking cult at the end of the documentary. And you're like. Yeah, sweet. How? There's one person who, the the diary entry where she goes, I'm increasing her treatments to try and get her to be healthy again, is just feeding her more alcohol, more silver. It's just like, and then at the end, on her little placard, you know, like where it comes up with like the name of the person and then what they're up to now, because it does cut to like, where are they now? Because hmm. she died two years ago. And it cuts to like this woman, and she's the same woman who was pouring silver down this dying woman's throat. And underneath her name, what does it say? What does it say, Anne? What would you expect this woman to go by as a title? Um, writing a new hit sitcom. No, Healer. Healer. Yeah, Healer. Not in prison? No, no. not in prison. None no. of them went to jail, Anne. I think a more apt title would be a fucking coroner. Not, not a coroner. Prison. Not a coroner. A fucking, she's, just, she's just working a morgue. She pickles live people. Get them ready now. It's Why a you go to prison when you poison... I mean, Michael Jackson's doctor got in a load of trouble for... Did he go to prison? Poisoning him. Oh, Michael Jackson's one of the people on her board. 
He helps. Also, he, he, really he would. He yeah. would. <laughs> Drink the silver. <laughs> Drink it, my child. <laughs> They're all ignorant of what Robin Williams is telling me. <laughs> Drink mm. the silver. I've seen Michael Jackson. Have you? Yeah, I went to a Michael yeah, you Jackson. Went to Michael Jackson. This is it, didn't you? No. I've got the This Is It special. I went to the edition. history tour. I, I've got the This Peak Is It. Michael Jackson. I have the Michael Jackson This Is It gold hard drive mm. because as soon as the accusations started coming out, you could get a 500 gigabyte hard drive for a tenner if you could just explain to people the picture of Michael Jackson is inconsequential. I mean, I've got the um, the vinyl record of Who Is It over there, which did have a cardboard standy of Michael Jackson. I don't know where it went. Oh, yeah? Only yeah. a little one. It was a little desk one that you could put on your desk. You're not allowed to have that near a school. No. Yeah. It's a bit like, you know Nightmare on Elm Street 3 where the marionette puppets come to life? <laughs> just stands up at the window looking down. If I knew where my other vinyls were, I'd have a, like, I'd had a bunch of Michael Jackson's. I've had black or white, Scream, all that sort of stuff on vinyl. Oh, yeah, so, um, sorry, yeah, um, Mother God, this, that documentary is Tom Atkins. It's fucking great. It's terrifying. It was on HBO Max recently, so it'll be, it'll be on probably Disney Plus soon. Or um, it'll be on Amazon. HBO Max? Yeah. Yeah, that's freaking... Disney Plus, isn't it? No, because that's Warner Brothers, isn't it? Oh, is it? No. Yeah, they don't really have a footing over here. Yeah, it might be on Netflix or something like that, but yeah, really good. I think you can buy it on WWE Amazon. WWE Network. You can buy it on uh, Amazon. 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 And your review. Amazon. What am I going to talk about? I don't know. Lem Fandango. Clem Fandango. Can you hear me, Clem Fandango? Is it coming through, Clem Fandango? Father! Father! Anyway. I played Returnal. Oh, yeah? Did you borrow it in the end? No, I've got got that PlayStation Plus Premium, haven't I? I got mugged into... Got mugged into subscribing to that, didn't I? (laughs) Fucking... Oh, mugging's over it. I was also playing Ridge Racer 2, the PSP Ridge game. Ridge Racer! Which the PSP Ridge Racer 2 is fantastic. Do they have Outrun on them? Um, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, Returnal. It's a time-loopy roguelike shooter from the guys who made uh, Resogun and Star... Uh, what is it called? Super Stardust HD? Super Stardust HD was like probably one of my favourite PS3 shooting games. Because mm. I love my twin-stick shooters. Yeah. A bit of Venom. And Resogun's fantastic. That's a good old time. I always oh, thought, yeah, Resogun was Yeah, good. Resogun's great. But this is like them bumping up to a bigger budget. It's still not like... They clearly haven't got, like, you know, Assassin's Creed money, but they've definitely got a lot of money and some really talented artists, and they know how to move that sort of bullet-dodging, shooting action into into the third dimension. Um, it's a tricky game. It can You can quite easily stumble into an area... <laughs> and trigger a situation that's going to completely wreck your shit. Because mm. um, the idea is you crash land on the planet and then you wake up and you're like, oh, God, oh, I felt bad. But then you find your own dead body and you start seeing things like, you know, corpses and holograms that show how someone died in a previous path. And you go over to it and you go, oh, God, I need to... That's, that's me. That's fucked. Um, and then you wake up again after you die and then you realise your memories are being retained. Why didn't you retain your memories before? Maybe that'll find maybe you'll find that out eventually. Maybe you've been there a long time. I have a theory. But um yeah, so it basically uses it the very like Yeah, it's a game theory. But um You know what? How do you want uh, do you want a cameo in Five Nights at Freddy's too? No, I'd rather not. Because okay. you've got you've got something me. that we were looking for in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just looking like he comes a corpse. out and says, "He comes out and says, I, that's just a theory." Oh, yeah, oh, she says that in the film. Oh. Says that's just a theory. What a pile of shite. So, um, 
Yeah, have you not played Re- Returnal? You've not got yet, a copy, no. that's it. That's great. Um, so it's very easy to do stuff like you'll find a body sometimes, the yeah. previous body, and you'll find the hologram and you have to trace, follow the hologram and it'll fall down wherever it died. Yeah. And you'll get a choice to either salvage the stuff from it or avenge their death. And if you choose to avenge their death, whatever killed them like bursts out and starts attacking you. Oh, and it's cool. usually something pretty nasty. Oh. Um, so I've died to that quite a few times. Um, sometimes you pick up some really awesome guns, though. You always have the same starting pistol. Yeah. But it is possible to upgrade it from certain things that happen as you go through. You get certain power-ups that become permanent. They're like bioengineered items. Like you get this thing that goes onto your spine and it like attaches to the back of your suit, almost like it was made for it. Weird that an alien planet would have some stuff that was made for your suit. Hmm? Mm. Mm. I've got a theory. I need to play more of it. I haven't got too many extra areas. Um, The areas change slightly each time, but it's not like... You know like how most roguelike games it changes completely? It's randomly generated. In this, it's like you'll go into an area and it will be similar to what it was before, but paths will be a little bit different or, you know, maybe something's changed entirely and you'll end up going into completely different areas. So it usually starts off a bit familiar each loop and then gradually gets more and more weirder. And you've always got a goal to head for. So right right now I'm trying to find some beacon thing and you end up going, oh, I can't go that way. It's, it's supposed to be over there. I can't get to it. I need to find the thing that's going to open this door. But every time you die, everything's moved. So you might know where it was before. You won't be there next time. It would have like the world would have shifted slightly. Um, it's kind of an interesting way of doing it because there's a little element of familiarity you get every time, rather than always going in blind like you're doing a lot, like in you know Enter the Gungeon or something. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's little this very horror centric as well. I've heard it's like got very um, like um, like H.P. Lovecrafty shit. Going yeah, on. there's a lot of alien love in it. Um, there's quite a few rooms you'll go into, usually with some sort of like you go into loads of rooms where you get like that knee high fog, like in Alien. And they do a really good job of making this volumetric fog that moves around and stuff that you walk through. Um, loads of particle effects as well, which has been that developer. I can never remember the name of the developer, but it, it's been their bread and butter for friggin' years. Mm. It's just like throwing friggin' particles. Like Resident Gun was like showing off how HDR particles can look. Yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, this this game's friggin' rad. Um, really enjoy it. Yeah, I thought you might like it. It's dark and grim, and it reminds me of a lot of sci-fi movies I've played, and it's got a really interesting setup and way of doing the roguelike thing. I almost expected something like this from the guys who did Exit the Gungeon. Yeah. Into the Gungeon. Yeah, but I don't know, they probably don't have... The resources. Actually, how did the guys who make Returnal make this? Because yeah, Resogun was never like... It was 2D, wasn't it? Yeah, but it wasn't like a big-time game or anything. But they had Sony funding for this. It was, yeah. yeah. But um, it is, it is, it's really good. I know there's later areas like deserts and stuff like that that you end up going into. It's, there's always stuff like pillars and things to run around behind. And mm. shoot, you can upgrade your gun to have extra effects. There's like two firing modes, so you pull the trigger halfway. It's like a lock-in point, mm. and that's your regular fire. If you hold it the whole way, it like does a power-up attack, which takes some time to recharge. Oh, cool. Um, and there's, yeah, there's some sort of... I haven't, because like I haven't played a ton of it. I keep dying because I'm pretty mm. bad at it. But um, there's some, like, maneuver, some things that you can use to grapple onto higher areas, it seems, or something. There's, okay. loads, of these gra- there's loads of these orange glowing points that I can't get yeah. to yet. So I figure I've got to unlock something to get there. Yeah. Reminds me a bit of Metroid Prime at times as well. It's got that sort of mm. alone in a desolate place that's clearly some civilization has died out in the past and you're running around it. Yeah. Causing havoc. Oh, but cool. why don't you remember your past recycles? Why can I not remember? But uh, I just clearly you've been remember. looping for quite some time. 
because you come across all sorts of bodies. Like Loop Hero. I think you're only remembering certain loops. You're not remembering all of them. Okay. Yeah, you're only remembering the ones that worked out a bit better. But again, that's just a theory. Yeah. A game theory. Maybe. But um, yeah, it's good. It's good game. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'll give it a go. Yeah. I've got it. You get to shoot stuff. Yeah. There's loads of big blue light lasers and shit. Uh, and monsters. Yeah. Lots of really cool monster designs. I am. Um, I do want to play it, and I do need to just sit down and actually play it. But we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'm sure I'll get time in the next few weeks. Yeah. All right. My next review. Oh, fuck. It's a Christmassy one. Is this your tenth review? This is my, this is my second. We're yeah. going to review a Christmas movie, and I watched Die Hard? the Amazon Prime oh. Exclusive movies. Oh, this is going to sound terrible. Your Christmas or mine, and your Christmas or mine too. Oh, which um, former well-known uh. actress who's been reduced to doing these roles is in this? Oddly, no one. Reese Witherspoon. No. So it's the story. Well, Asa Butterfly. Lacey Chaber. Wait, who? Lacey Chaber. Lacey Chaber. Lacey Chaber. 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 No, I saw it as Chaber. It's a C H A B E R T. Yeah, Chaber. Lacey Chaber. Nah, I like Chaber. All right, she's in. She's in a bunch of dog shit Christian movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was no. in the um... Christmas Mingle the movie. No, and the sequel. Sequel. Yeah, Christian Christmas. Christian, Christian, Christian Mingle. Mingle there you go. Yeah. Christian Mingle too. Christian Easter Mingle. Asa Butterfield's in this. Asa Butterfield. The kid from Ender's Game. The kid from Ender's Game is in this. So um, it's about a young couple. They've been dating since they were in, since they well, they've been dating for a few months. Hmm. They're in drama school together. Yeah, and I can see. Jason they are jobs. they are about to say goodbye at the train station when they both spur of the minute invite the other one to go with them to their family Christmas. Oh. Sadly, both of them say no. But as they're getting on their trains, they have a a change of heart. And so, what do they do? They quickly rush to the other person's train, jump on board to surprise their lover on Christmas. They're going to go with them. And they're going to be like, at the train station, be like, Yeah, hey. yeah, so they end up going to them. So they end up going to each other's bloody houses, Anne. No. Oh, hilarity ensues, Anne. Hilarity mm. ensues. As much as, like, as much as I hate to say it, the first one is, like, it's... They it's, do it twice. There's a sequel. <laughs> the first film... Is just breezy Christmas. This is the sequel. They go to the right families and they just. No, I'm going to get to the sequel. Uh, I've seen them both. This is a. They get into a polyamorous relationship and it gets really complicated. There's not enough movie in either of these films for them to constitute one review. So I have to bad out by doing them both. So the first one. They go to each other's house and they discover more about each other than they could ever possibly imagine. Hmm. And at the same time, they help each other's families come together in a way they couldn't alone. So it's really Mm. sweet. So the sequel, by this point, after your Christmas or mine, when everything went crazy. Oh, Doug Bradley, Douglas Bradley, not the one from Hellraiser, the one who played the old bloke in Harry Potter. Oh, I was hoping it was the one from Hellraiser. No, no. (laughs) What wonderful delights I have to show you this Christmas. No tears, please. It is a waste (laughs) of good suffering. Um, So, uh, Oh, it's Dave Bradley. Dave Bradley, that's awesome. Yeah, him. So, in in your Christmas or mine too. Mean Eye Moody? Yeah, uh, no, Mean Eye Moody was um, Brendan Gleeson. He was sn- uh, Snitch, Snilch? Yeah, the, the little Janet guy. I don't know, whatever, whatever. Isn't Jeff Keighley like fucking Slughorn? So I used to do a Harry Potter reference. 
But you know how Slughorn in Harry Potter is like obsessed with getting celebrity friends. He wants important and well known. No, I don't remember which. There's a whole plot point in Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Is that the one who played? Who was played by um, Kenneth Branagh? No, no, no. It's um, what's his face? Anyway, back to your Christmas or mine too. So after Jane Krakowski. Yeah, she's in the sequel. We're going to get to that in a second. So Mm -hmm. after your Christmas or mine, the family's all come. Angela Griffin. Look. I'm From gonna, Coronation Street. I'm get to that, Anne. I'm going to get to that. Yeah. So your Christmas or mine one ends with everybody coming together to get the couple back together so they can be together on Christmas Day. And because all the families have come together to do this, they decide to have Christmas together. Mm. And it turns out some cold, frozen hearts that never thought they could be happy again are warmed by the gracious friendship of this family. Mm. And then another family who didn't think much of a certain group of people and didn't want to break traditions find that it's good sometimes to go outside of your circle, outside of your family, and bring people in, because that's the magic of Christmas. Okay? Your Christmas or mine too. So now this group of mismatched family members are friends. They're very close, and they've decided to spend Christmas together this year in France, on a skiing holiday. Now, the family, the, the family, the girls' family, they don't have a lot of money. They're, they're working class. So, the rich dad of Asa Butterfield has invited them to this French hotel and he said, I'll pay for everything. I'll cover it all. Right? They've gone, no, no, no. We will book our own holiday. And they've booked a holiday through one of the friends of the father who's a bit of a dodgy dealer. And as you can imagine, he's booked them a less than ideal boy. It's a less than ideal hotel that he's booked for them. It's not the Schaffsberg. It's the Berg Shaft. And so the the rich family go to the dodgy... The Four Seasons friggin... Yeah, yeah. um, What was it? Yeah. Auto repair friggin... It's a real real mix-em-up answer. The rich family go to the dodgy dealing hotel and it's less than ideal and the poor family end up going to this incredible hotel um this one's mix, oh. this mix up is resolved relatively quickly into the film. that's like home alone too when it's a bit like home alone too kevin's family go to a really nice hotel and in he France, lives on the street and he goes to new york he ends up in the trump plaza <laughs> The worst place on earth. Yeah. Place where you're most likely to get molested. And also Rob Schneider and Donald Trump are there. Tim Curry's though. That's pretty Tim cool. Curry's there. Tim Curry might yeah. have protected him, but Yeah. Rob I mean he wouldn't have in that film. He would have struck Rob him Schneider up. would have molested that kid straight away. He would have checked him for vaxes. Yeah. In real life and in the film he would have raped that child. I don't think Rob Schneider's a pedo. Mm. I think he's just a fucking idiot. And a weirdo. And everyone hates being around him except for Adam Sandler. Well, because he's a tax write-off. Yeah, he's he's one of those. It's one of the you know he gets, when you he gets it like, written off. He's like he's like he's he's had a few head injuries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you've>, <laughs> he gets a write-off no. a couple of mil by hiring him. You hired a disabled. <laughs> hey, Adam, yeah, did you yeah. tell them that I'm mentally impaired again? Yeah, of course I did, Rob. Don't worry. Is that for the tax write-off? Yeah, yeah, for the tax write-off and insurance purposes, and so that we can make sure we've got a wrangler on set for you. Um, it's, it's there's something to be said for Rob Schneider that he doesn't completely ruin Judge Dredd. Um, which when you rewatch Judge Dredd, it's actually quite good. I quite like the Judge Dredd film, Stallone Judge Dredd. Judge I like Dredd. it better if Rob Schneider despite, wasn't in it. Despite all the things, despite having Rob Schneider in it, I would like it better if Rob Schneider wasn't in it. Yeah, but he doesn't ruin it, which is amazing. I mean, he really tries, considering you know. You forget that he's in Demolition Man as well. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, so your Christmas or mine too. It's not as good as your Christmas or mine or mine one mm. because it's a diminishing returns, but it's mm. still sweet. There's still a sweetness to it. There's Jane Krakowski. Yay. She's in it. She plays the new 
partner to the dad. And it would be so easy to turn her into a villain of this piece. And she's just not. There is like a funny joke. There is like a funny joke where at the end, everybody's handing out Christmas presents. And she's written this book that's a New York Times bestseller. And she hands the present to the mum after you see put copies of it scattered everywhere in wrapping paper where clearly she's just given it to everyone. And she gives it to the mum and she goes, she goes, this is your present. She goes, it's a book, isn't it? Isn't it? She goes, New York Times bestseller book, bestselling book. And it's just like, it's just like she's accepted that that's all she's offering to the table. Um, but yeah, it's quite sweet. Still quite sweet. And, and just good fun. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, it was just like a very twee Christmas film. It's not good by any stretch of the what? imagination, but it's just like, it's not good. It's 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 like a nice it's just a nice simple like it's such a formulaic concept but it's still nice and fun and you know you need more just like simple narratives that don't oh actually there is a there is a joke about Brexit that might wind up some oh, right wingers. Oh no. Yeah. It is quite funny though. Um but I won't spoil it. You have to watch the whole film to get that one fucking joke. Um but yeah. well, they could have had the one family goes to the nice hotel and the ones who end up going to France get stuck at the border for the whole film <laughs> doing paperwork. Yeah, great, fantastic. That could have been how um, it went. But That's yeah, all in all, like they're fine. Matthew Modine, they aren't gonna change your life, but if you need something to watch on Christmas, you could do a lot worse. Your review, Ant. You could do a lot worse with Christmas. I mean what yeah. films have you ever had to watch Polar Express? That's that that's film a fucking movie. sucks. That movie's slow. Even without the friggin' what are you talking about? That movie's weird slaps. looking fucking that animation. That movie slaps. Is that what kids say nowadays? That, that movie slaps. Sh- Gremlins would probably be Robert Zemeckis. Like, man, what would you say? What would you say your like go to free Christmas movies are? Because I always what? go Scrooged, Die Hard Gremlins One, and Die, Die Hard Two, what? Die Hard Three. What? Die Hard Three is not Christmas. Yeah, but I mean it's the trilogy. You got to fucking. <laughs> But it's the trilogy. Yeah, Die Hard 1, 2, and um, what other films are set at Christmas? Friggin' Iron Man 3. Anything can happen at Christmas. It's a magical time of year. Um, mm. The Predator wasn't set at Christmas, was it? No. No, see, that's Leaf where Weapon. Shane Black went wrong. Leaf Leaf Weapon. Weapon. Yeah, yeah. It's a good Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Joss Ackland died the other week, didn't he? Who? Joss Ackland. Who? The bad guy from Leaf Weapon 2. Oh, did Bill and the Yeah, team. and the bad guy from um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He doesn't do that. He goes, diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. That's not right. He's South African. Diplomatic That's not. Immunity. Why are you saying like he's Cuban? Diplomatic immunity. Was that a great bit in Leaf Weapon 2 where they go to the thing and he wants to take Danny Glover to yeah, South Yeah, Danny Africa. Glover wants to go to South Africa. <laughs> yeah. like, but I'm sorry. You're black. <laughs> You're black. And it just hard cuts them going, because he's black. Yeah. <laughs> no, we cannot, we cannot let you go to South Africa because you're black. We need Lethal Weapon 5 to come out and make a real big commentary on Israel Palestine yeah. and be the only film yeah. again that dares to question an apartheid state. Joe Pesci comes along, it's like, I want to go to Palestine! I want to go to Palestine! Fucking... I'm sorry, Mr. Pesci. You're white! Maybe <laughs> Kamal on Johnny or something. And yeah. That. But, um, they, um,. Leaf Weapon 2 is still the only film that dared to question a par fight. Yeah, whilst it was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. And Patsy Kenzie was in it. Was she? Yeah, Patsy oh, Kenzie. Yeah, she was, yeah. Patsy Kenzie, star of Emmerdale. <laughs> and Nothing else. Oh, wait, no, she was in that She was in that Gary Daniels movie. Oh, Gary Daniels, fucking legend. Woken Zone. 
Yeah, working zone Gary Daniels. Yeah. Right. Which you one? do you next is it my lucky stars. The no, it's the one where he's there's the one where he's powered by his rage. He's a teacher who's powered by rage. No. Oh. Well that's not Fist of the North Star. Gary Daniels. Patsy Kenzo. You do your review and I'm gonna look this up. I've got to think of what I'm gonna review, man. I forgetting you're forcing stuff on me, man. I've been trying to stall for time. I can't do it. Should I review a Transformer I got? No. Review a thing. I haven't watched anything. Well, I've got yes, one other have. thing. What is it, then? That'll review be the last it. thing. That'll be the last thing. Fuck. I got one of my Holy Grails. What People should be happy for me. What? Oh, it's that old thing. It's barely stuck together. It's falling a fucking part. Okay, you don't understand how fucking <laughs> sought after this freaking figure is. Yeah, it's falling apart, yeah. though, Okay, this is... This is... Generation one, stepper. Okay, he's he's a repaint of Jazz. I've got Jazz's but over there. He's behind, he's behind Bulkhead. Oh my god, Gary Daniels' son Shane Daniels is a is a stunt coordinator and actor. Oh, they throw him off. He's a Maze Runner. Oh, was he the one who did the kick you like? No. Oh, right, stepper. Okay, back in the day. When the G1 cartoon was going on in America, the headmaster in Japan, the headmasters, the one I got the DVD of the other week. Yeah. Um, they started reissuing some of the old toys for the first time. Okay. I say old toys, they were like five years old at the time. Okay. And they gave them target masters, which are little dudes that turn into guns. Yeah. They turn into guns by folding over and sniffing their own feet. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Um But in the time none of that came out over here. We we had a couple of target masters, but all the like original G one toys like like jazz and all that that got their repaints never happened and they became super sought after figures right now I had an original one of these in my hand at TF Nation and the guy wanted like a hundred quid for it and I was like do I want to spend all my money on half my money on one figure just because it's rare I know who bought it it was um Maz from um Triple Takeover Mm-hmm. podcast um tf square one on twitter he brought it um and i was like that's okay because i didn't want to spend a hundred quid on an unboxed original stepper because this thing's like beautiful figure it's like if batman went to vegas look at it can you see how, what i mean see what i mean see what i mean right if batman went to vegas imagine if there was a toy in the 90s but vegas batman that would be it black and gold flames on him right this is the later reissue they did in 2004, I think. First time it was ever reissued in Japan. They used to released it over in, the, in, Ameri- in, in America. They called him Ricochet when they released him over there. But this is the Japanese stepper. Came in its box, complete, except for one missile. But I'm never going to cut those missiles off the sprue and fire them anyway. I imagine the guy who had it before me realised why you don't cut missiles off the sprue and fire them. Because he lost it. That's why. Um, he comes with he comes with Jazz's gum in gold, yeah. beautiful gold chrome, mm-hmm. beautiful, just, just amazing. And he turns into a little Porsche nine eleven, which doesn't happen nowadays because Porsche don't like their their name being attached to robots apparently because <laughs> they're war machines or something. I don't know. Apparently, it took a lot of money to get them to do Rise of the Beasts and have Mirage be a Porsche, mm. which is weird because Mirage was never a Porsche in the cartoon. So why he was a boat at one point. Um, but this figure's fantastic. Just a little slice of 1980s classic stuff. Transforms in like 10 seconds. Actually, a bit more than that because I'm not as fast as I used to be. He's audacious. He's beautiful. He's got a little man 
who turns into a gun, whose name is something. Actually, I'm not sure he has a name. I can't remember. Um, but little guy turns into a gun. Yeah. You just do this. Just go, gun. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. He also has a little shoulder piece so you can attach it to his shoulder, which I probably should do because his arms aren't strong enough to hold him up. His arms are quite, quite weak. But this is mint, man. I have managed to collect three of my Holy Grail figures this year. The ones I was like, I'm never going to own them. I got a freaking taco tank. I got alternator's hot rod, and now I've got stepper. And I almost bought a Predaking king the other week. That's an expensive figure. I lost out because some fucker brought it just before I got paid. Literally hours before I got paid. Which is on. Which is rude. But anyway, um, everyone should um, go and get a stepper so the price of them increases, and then I can sell this one and make a load of money. That'd be really nice. Anyway, he's rally. Because he's... This one's 20 years old. Yeah. It's a cool toy, Ant. It's really cool. Yeah. At least I take mine out of the box, unlike your freaking He-Mans downstairs. Look, if you want to play with the take out of, you just Have you seen the new them? ones they've done? No. They've done ones that are actually based on the cartoon designs. So they've got the same coloration and look as the cartoons, but like origin-style, classic-style figures. So you get Beast Man with like, the beast look he has in the cartoon, where he hasn't got the big frilly fur coming off him he's just like generally hairy um, mm. they're quite nice and the new Teenage Ninja Turtle ones they're bringing out they're quite cool I haven't seen the Ninja Turtle ones but I have a look they're quite cool they got a, there's a um, Leonardo that's got the power sword and everything and He-Man's like a mutant thing it's like a purple mutant monster it's pretty cool mm. like cool. He-Man He-Man's cool I won't collect He-Man though because um, that'd be a problem wouldn't it would it <laughs> would it be a problem do you, do you not think do you think I have room for a He-Man collection? Yeah. No, no yeah. I do not. You just put it in between. Oh, between all the Transformers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was Stepper. That was Step Up to the Streets. Boxed. Mint. Hmm. Highly sought after. Cool. Great. Fantastic. Didn't spend anywhere near as much good, good as you times. normally would on one of them. Fantastic, Adam. That's really good news. That's uh, Well done. Well You're done. wasting everyone's time with these reviews. Alright, well, my third review is going to be um, the new Netflix movie that I've forgotten the name of now. Netflix movie? You've forgotten the name? Oh, well done. You had all that time where you're belittling my beautiful boy. You could have thought about what you were reviewing next and you forgot. I've, I've forgotten what it was called. Is it um, Rebel Moon? Because <laughs> we're going to have to spend the next episode just reviewing just Rebel Moon, I guess, aren't we? Leave the world behind. Oh, so I watched the new Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali and Ethan Hawke starring movie Leave the World Behind. A movie set at the beginning of an apocalyptic event from the looks of things. But in actuality, it just turns out to be something very boring and it's a very boring movie and it doesn't really do anything or end properly and it's just quite frustrating. Do you want to hear the story? You said you couldn't remember the name of it, but you were talking about this one earlier. Yeah. So, Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke are a married couple who decide on the spur of the moment to go and rent a cabin or rent a house and stay there, much like an Airbnb. Just go and stay in an Airbnb. 
So Julia Roberts picks a place, they go out, and on their way out, they start to notice that some of their electronics aren't working quite as they should. Oh, shit. And then Fuck. On I would the hate second that. day of their holiday, they're at the beach, and an oil tanker just runs straight into the bloody beach. Oh, like in um, Speed Speed 2, Cruise Control. Like in Speed 2, William Defoe, Paycheck Control. Mm. Um, Starring Jason Priestley? No, Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. That's From it. Lost Boys. That's it. Yeah, no one remembers Jason Patrick. Everyone remembers Jason Patrick from Narc. <laughs> Narc. And The Losers. Yeah. And from Lost Boys. Lost Boys, yeah. Did you not see Narc? Narc was a good film. Jason Patrick. With Ray Liotta. Yeah. No. Shut the fuck up, you watched it. Everyone watched that movie. I played the game. No, you fucking didn't. No one played the Midway, game. You watched the movie. The Midway arcade game Narc. Yeah. Which is... Everyone played Narc. That was a massive deal. No, it wasn't. The film was a massive Narc deal. Narc was the first video I'm game... kind of a big deal around to here. ...to have digitised actors in it. So anyway... Enough talking about Mortal Kombat. So, um... So yeah, so leave the world behind. Basically, yeah, they've rented this house. Turns out it's Mahershala Ali's house. So he returns from, like being on his way to an opera to come and stay at the property. And at first they're like, they're very cautious because Julia Roberts is a racist and he's black. Oh, um, and then they start to realise, no, Wait, there is... her character is? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not making it. The writing's not clear in this film, man. But anyway, Julia Roberts is a racist. And, uh, and so the apocalypse happens. And... There's like weird shit starts happening, like all the electronics stop connecting to the internet. The TV just has like that snowy thing on it, even though it's a digital TV, so it wouldn't have that. It would just have a blue screen. But that's besides the point. That's besides the point. They might have switched on the snow channel. <laughs> but TVs in flat screen TVs do the snow thing. They do the snow in thing. The you movies. have to go to analog. In movies. They go to analog. Um, so, yeah, so it's. it's um, I'm just going to spoil it because it's really boring. Um, it turns out that there's like. That multiple countries are banded together to take out the US because the US is a shithole. <laughs> and no one fucking likes it. So they've all banded together and started dropping propaganda leaflets and shit. And, and they're like, they're basically just bombarding the US with microwaves to take out all their electronics at first. Um, this, is, this has had the effect of like stopping lots of the signals that are going out, but then also some people are being affected by the radiation in a weird way. So one of the kids that is staying with Julia Roberts, her son specifically, he wakes up one day after having a really bad fever the night before, and he wakes up in the morning, and he just touches one of his teeth, and it feels weird, and he just pulls it out of his fucking mouth. And he just starts pulling his teeth Oh, like um, Jeff Goldblum? Charlie. No, like Charlie, and always sending in Philadelphia, oh, where he's yeah. like, this just came out. Wouldn't it be really ironic, and I think I could sell this to America, um, Hollywood, call me up, if the radiation gave American superpowers and they started fighting all the people who were radiating them. America would really like that movie. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else would hate it. I think it'd be amazing. Imagine Julia Roberts flying around punching through a building. Oh, can you imagine like... Imagine if Blade had the powers of healing and the ability to drink blood from people and super strength. Here's how we do it, right? We we give them that idea, but we we produce it for a right wing company, right? Yeah. Because their audience are gullible enough, they might start putting their heads in microwaves. Better idea. <laughs> I got a better idea. Propaganda. No, I got a better idea. Okay. Um, we get fucking um, who's who's what's his face? Ben Shabib. Paul Verhoeven to direct it. Oh yeah, let's do it. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah. So um. So all that shit starts happening and. And um, nice little cameo from Kevin Bacon. Oh, 
He if, plays like the paranoid neighbour who's been like getting loads of shit together just in case of an emergency. Like he's everything's a better with Bacon. Yeah, everything's better with Kevin Bacon anyway. And he he eventually does tell them some of the information that he knows. So the leaflets that they've been receiving, the ones that say like, "Oh, you've got to," like the re- leaflets they've got are essentially in Arabic. Yeah. And, but the person that he's been in communication with over his two way radios and stuff has been receiving leaflets in Mandarin or Korean. And then, like, people that that guy's been in contact with have been receiving leaflets in other languages. And it's essentially and like... Duolingo doesn't work anymore, so you can't Yeah, they can't connect to the internet. Yeah, you can't translate them. You can't translate. You can't use Google Translate. That's oh, on the internet. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so all that shit's happening and it's all going crazy. And then the film just doesn't end. It's just like... Like, basically, there's a little girl who's obsessed with watching Friends. She's been watching the episodes of Friends, the old ones. And she's, like, obsessed with the idea of watching the last episode of Friends... And she finds out that one of the neighbours of Mahersha Ali has, like, a big bunker. Yeah. And she goes down into the bunker and she finds out they've got, like, everything on DVD. Like, there's, like, literally episodes of Heroes and, and like, you can see all the DVD box sets just lined up on this phone. And so she takes one of friends. And the last fucking thing you hear in this film, what do you think it is, Anne? Um, it's... Dun, 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 dun. Chandler Bing going... You literally watch this little girl go for a DVD menu for the yeah. Friends DVD and select the last wasn't episode. There no electronics working. No, no, the electronics work, there's just no, like, infrastructure. There's no, like, wireless internet. There's no internet. There's no oh, so electronics work. It's electronics the work. It's just the internet and shit that doesn't. Yeah, sorry. But yeah. So she couldn't just stream it on Netflix. No, she had to have a physical DVD. Oh. And then the end of the film, instead of it saying the end... You see the last name. What's the last? The last. Does it say the end? Go dot dot question mark. No, no. You know the. Oh. What's the last episode of the Friends called? Uh, the one with the end. It's called the end. Is it? Yeah. No, it's the she one. She selects with... it, and that's the end of the oh. film. I got that song on CD. God, I fucking hated it. It's really bad. Like, there's no answers. There's no information. There's like interesting features. The cast is fucking excellent. Like everyone's really good. They just don't have anything to do. Like, they have so little to do. Like, there's a moment where Ethan Hawke's trying to explain him trying to get to town Mm. from the house he doesn't know. And he goes, I went to go get help. I drove. And I realised I had no fucking idea where I was going. So I just drove. Mm. I just drove towards what I thought was town. It's a miracle I made it back here. You try following signs. Well, no, because they're, like, in the middle of nowhere. Like, literally, it's not, like, street signs and shit like that where they are. But America's just, like... Three roads that go in one direction. But no, like you could, you like it'd be really interesting if they spoke about that. Yeah. And there's like for some reason there is one section of the road where where self-driving cars are just crashing, like just they all seem to be driving towards that same point and just crashing. Yeah. And like that's like I don't why think that'd be a problem. Why is that happening? Well, they already just set fire, so why not? Yeah. Um, and it's just like why is that happening? Like. There's no explanation oh, for man. any of this. Imagine if you're stuck in the hyperloop. It's all just theories. Like that's the problem. It's all just these people coming. What kind up- of theories? <laughs> Game <laughs> theories. Yeah. It's all just people theorizing, but never actually like definitively say. And like none of them look for this bunker. None of them like the little girl doesn't go, "Mom, Dad, I found a bunker." She goes down and just puts on an episode of fucking Friends. Why? You need, an episode, you need a sequel hook. It's so fucking shit, man. It's really shit. And people are raving about this fucking movie. And it's just shit. It makes me feel like Bird Box has come out again. 
Oh, yeah. Same sort of feeling. Like, just... Do you remember Greenland? Greenland was all right. Yeah, just like mush, you know? Like, fucking tasteless mush. I quite like Greenland. Was that the Gerard... Jerry Butts? Yeah. End of the World Wide. Great. Great good film. Good film, that. Unlike Jerry Butts. But this is just... It's gruel. It's fucking tasteless content. Do you again? Pardon? Do you I'm eating my gruel. I'm I'm munching that gruel. It's just gruel. It's just tasteless shit. If someone's gone, oh, that's a really artistic and cool idea, but they've not thought... Because this is based on a novel. So they yeah. clearly they've gone, oh, it's a really cool... And they've just immediately translated it into a script and not really done anything to really update it to a visual medium. Mm-hmm. So they've just... All they've done is just filmed what it says in the book. It's funny if it wasn't based on a novel like that. It was just, like, based on Rambo First Blood or something. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just completely it's unrelated. Just, but it's really frustrating because, like, there are little nuggets of something interesting in there. At one point, the girl goes, uh, like, so Mahershala Ali, he, his daughter's with him, and the mum's on a plane, and Mahershala, Mahershala. Ali, Mahershala, yeah, Mahershala, Mahershala, yeah, Mahershala. Nothing's Mahershala. That's fucking. But basically, he sees a plane crash, and his wife, he knows his wife is coming back on a plane, so it's more than likely that she's yeah, dead. Mahershala Ali. Mahershala. Maha. Maha. It's M H E R. Yeah, Mahershala Ali. Mahershala. Mahershala. Yeah, Mahershala Ali. You're confusing me, man. I don't know words from when I read them. Jesus fucking Christ. But yeah, it's just, it's so, it's, it's, you've got this fantastic cast. The director of Dune, how do you pronounce his name? Danny Vanellu. Is that the best you got? You do. Denis Vinway. De? Denis. Vinway. Racist. Why does it feel like a hate crime when you're saying stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just it's just gruel. It's just tasteless, boring shit. Just like, you could have done something with this. Why is only one person being affected by this radiation? Why is this happening? Why is that? Just give me something. Have a, a, a thread of a story. Have the family go down into the bunker. Have them not go down into the bunker. Have them wait and say, oh, maybe... Don't just... It just ends. No, nothing is wrapped up, and that's the problem. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be vague with its answers. It doesn't need to be. You could wrap this story up. You could have the little girl be like, "I found the bunker," and then everybody just goes there. Or you could have them decide not to. Or you could end on an argument, and the girl goes to stop the argument where everybody's talking about what they're going to do next, and she just like walks out and goes into the bunker. Just do any fucking thing I don't know any of these actors fucking, who but the yeah. fuck are these people um, I'm going to give it an Adam yeah, Sandler yeah. it's not quite a Rob Schneider because the cast is fucking great it's just a shame they are given nothing to do they are trying their best they are trying to give us something but there is just nothing for them to do absolutely zero Also, uh, once you get past like Kevin Bacon I have no idea who Your these people Ant. are Your review Ant who's um and it's your review. Vanessa Aspergilla. She uh, looks like Julia Roberts. It's your review, Anne. No. She looks like Julia Roberts because her picture on IMDb is Julia Roberts. Your review, Anne. Hold on. Oh, it moves. It changed. Oh. And your review. Come on. I was getting confused. Come on, bud. I was getting confused. Come on. Anyway, Doctor Who specials. How'd that go? Three special Russell T. Davis specials with with David the Tenant. How'd that go? In it. Um, so people have moaned about the Chibnall era of Doctor Who, like they moaned about the Stephen Moffat era of Doctor Who before that, and people forget they moaned about the Russell T Davis era as well. But much like um, 
that one woman did the song, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Pink Paradise put up a park, they paved Paradise and put up a parking lot. Anyway, they bought they bought David Tennant back because Russell T Davis wanted to give him a really nice happy ending, not that way, like in the TV show. And they teamed him up with Catherine Tate again because that was everyone's favourite team up. It was David Tennant and Tate, Tate Tennant and Tate, and they have three little adventures where they spend a ridiculous amount of money, Disney's money, telling some Doctor Who stories that could have just been like episodes of a normal series for any other Doctor. They weren't like, they didn't have that whole, um, didn't do that special thing where they bring back all the old Doctors or anything like that. It's just a straightforward like series of three episodes. First episode, like, you know, Tennant turns up, he's like, oh, what's going on? He can't talk to Donna because if Donna remembers who the Doctor is, it'll apparently kill her. But she's got a daughter now, and that's apparently the reason why it's fine now when she remembers the Doctor. Um, energy discharge and some shit. Magic, space stuff, it doesn't matter. If if the Doctor says it's what's happening, it's fine, it's canon. Um, but they come across a little alien. Cute little alien thing. Right? Called mm. um, uh, Beep the Meep. Right? And this character was from the Doctor Who comics in the 80s, created by Dave Gibbons and someone else, Josh Roberts, I think. Can't remember his name, John Roberts. Okay. Um, So there's a little character from a cartoon. They basically adapt an episode of the comics from back then, um, which was quite nice. Obviously, back then it was, uh, I think it was Tom Baker's Doctor was the character in the comics. Um, Because it was always, their comics would just do whatever Doctor they felt like at the time, even though it was the 80s. but it's a fun little story where it turns out Beat the Meep's a little piece of shit and he's going to uh, try and take over the Earth and blow up loads of London with a big old rocket ship. Um, it's a rocket ship that like sucks energy out of the Earth and destroys the local area to fuel itself by blowing it up, causing a massive explosion, sucking the energy up, I guess, something like that. It's magic. And then the Doctor and Donna do some stuff, save the day, and uh, loads of right-wing weirdos get upset because there was a trans person in it. And the doctor asked the meep what their pronouns were. Terrible. Can you imagine the horrors? The horrors. They made Doctor Who woke. You know, the gayest show on television that's not queer as folk. They made it woke. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Um, that episode was fine. It's quite fun. Quite enjoyed it. Um, I saw, there's a disabled woman in it, right? She's in a wheelchair. And I saw one right winger complaining because there was a bit where she was stood up. Because not all wheelchair users are wheelchair bound. Some of them can stand up. The actress is a real disabled person who uses a wheelchair in her daily life. And they were like, then saw them on Twitter going, She stood up. I've seen her standing up in photos and stuff like that. She's not really disabled. She's faking it and all this sort of stuff, right? That's going to come back later. Second episode, one of the best episodes of Doctor Who there's ever been. I actually friggin' loved the second episode. I thought it was fantastic. Is this the one with Neil Patrick Harrison? No. Donna and the Doctor, they get, like, dropped off on a spaceship. It's out in the middle of literally nowhere. It's on the edge of the universe where there's nothing. There's no stars. There's nothing. And they're in this big old long tube spaceship. There's no one on board. Or is there? Um, And the TARDIS fucks off because the TARDIS is in danger. Donna's kind of dropped coffee on the TARDIS console. That was enough to cause it to f- like freak out, and it dropped them off somewhere. Normally, they've established before that the TARDIS will drop them off somewhere safe, but I guess not this time. Um, 
and they're on the ship. There's a robot that's walking very slowly down the corridor. Like every now and again, it takes one step, and there's a weird voice that says something strange, and they don't know what it is because the TARDIS isn't around, so they, it's not giving them the translation, so they don't know what's going on. But while they're there, they haven't. They, they split up to go fix some things in two rooms, opposite side of each other. Yeah. And then when Donna's fixing the console, the Doctor comes in, starts having a chat with her. But then it cuts, and the Doctor's still in the other room, working on a console, and Donna comes in and starts chatting to him. And like, ooh, ooh. And then they're just like, my arm's too long. And it's like nice and creepy, and it's like the Doctor's arm is like really long. No. Oh. And Donna's arm's freaking out, and stuff's going a bit weird. And there's like, basically there's two copies of them on the ship, they're two sort of alien entities that are non-corporeal and they're trying to learn how to perfectly mimic the Doctor and Donna so they can escape on the TARDIS when it comes back. Yeah. You know, perfectly mimic them enough, good enough. It's a real John Carpenter's The Fang. Yeah, but it's really cool because they don't know how to control their forms. So their forms keep messing up and stuff, like their jaws pop open. There's a whole chase sequence where they're shooting down the big old corridor on a little cart thing Mm. that they've got. And the Doctor and the evil, the alien Doctor and Donna are chasing them and they're like sort of changing shape and going massive and like their eyes are bulging and all this sort of stuff and they end up getting wrapped around each other. Because while they're racing, they can't control themselves properly. They're a real Junji Ito. Um, Yeah, they all end up in a big old mess. It's a good horror thing. And then Donna and Doctor get separated and they're going through corridors and shit and they don't know where they are and they keep bumping into the copies and they're trying to figure out, you know, it basically does every like, which one of you is the real one scene ever mm. um, and you know it all boils down there's like good character stuff great character stuff starts hinting at them actually dealing with some of the events that have happened over the last few years like the flux destroying half the universe in that um, last big story that they did with Jodie Whittaker which they kind of just ignored that half the universe was destroyed by the flux what was the flux again? it was like a big old a entity like big old freaking destructive entity that was just passing through the galaxy that these villains activated that would just literally rip everything it touches to pieces. Oh, right, okay. So it was just like pouring through planets like and Like some real Langoliers. Yeah, just fucking them up. Fucking them up big time. Mm. Um, but yeah, the galaxy's kind of fucked, thanks to them. Um, luckily, it happened all the way over there, even though Earth was in danger. Where's over, over there? Because you pointed vaguely into the distance. Uh, Marzal. I mean, there's a lot of stuff over there. Yeah, yeah. to the left. Galaxy. To the left. The, the flux went through Earth solar system though, and that that show didn't really sort of um, say whether or not it destroyed our solar system because <laughs> they only protected Earth. Why would it? I don't know. Then there's no mention of it undoing anything. I was just just, just left going, "What's been what?" what? Yeah. <laughs> but they do mention it in this that there's what, like what in the button, indeed. Earth? Yeah, they do mention in this that the, you know everything's messed up and the Doctor's kind of feeling a bit guilty about it. Whoops. Um, that episode's fantastic. Proper good, like, sci-fi premise. It felt like one of those episodes of Star Trek where they end up on a weird spaceship and weird space shit happens. And then they deal with it. Proper high-concept sci-fi stuff. Lots of um, lots of character-based stuff and weird alien shit. I like that. Nice horror movie. Yeah. Um, and then the last episode was the one with Neil and Patrick Harris. Yeah. Playing the racist toy maker. The celestial toy maker who was, like, if you go back and watch any of the original... What's left over the original episode? Because it's one of those ones that's mostly lost. They did like a new animated version. It's terrible looking. No, really. Um, but it's full of like racist tropes and stuff and things like that. And they yeah. worked it into Neil Patrick Harris's character that his character's a bit. The toy maker is racist, mm. and it's very objectively he's an evil. He's a horrible piece of shit. 
Um, but that episode that was a fun little ending, and um, it, it, the the whole stuff with the toy maker and them figuring out how to save the world because there's basically a, there's like something that's been implanted in the past, and it's been implanted in the television signals of every signal around the world. Yeah, and it's like a giggle, like a giggle from a little ventriloquist puppet, which was the first thing John Logie Baird filmed mm-hmm. um, with, when he was making a television, um, and it's like essentially they've like making everyone go mad. It's like a little code to trigger loads of people's um, opinions, makes them all super opinionated. So they're all like, everyone thinks they're right about everything, which naturally leads to everyone arguing and trashing stuff and getting into fights and destroying things. And loads of people getting killed because the whole people are being horrible to each other and wrecking everything. Of course. Um, Although apparently being in the TARDIS at some point has given you the ability to be mostly um, numb to it because time's put you out of sync. Time travel's put you out of sync with everything that's happened. Which gives him a chance to bring back Bonnie Langford. Who? Bonnie Langford was one of the Doctor's assistants, Colin Baker's assistant. Okay. Back in the 80s. I've met her multiple times. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she used to come into Toys Russ and HMV every now and then. Oh. Um, she's a really nice lady, Bonnie she Langford. She lived in Woking. Yeah. Yeah, they did have a big picture of her on the side of that Italia Conti place in town. And they got rid of it. I don't know why they tore it down. They took they had all these pictures of different actors and took Bonnie Langford off there. Okay. Um, she's a lovely lady. Met her a couple of times. Um, sold her a stereo once mm. and helped her grandkids trade in a ton of Nintendo DS games another time. But um chatted to her a few times. My mum was super jealous that I met her. <laughs> but um yeah. Um properly just fun finale, but the whole point of it was building up to the doctor regenerating to get in Kude Gatwa. Is that right? Do you know if I pronounce his name right? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can never know. I don't know how you pronounce names if they're not boring English names, can you? Because we're British. We don't do anything right. I mean, yeah. We literally made a fucking curry that tastes like cream and sugar. <laughs> Was it El Paso, Texas have the super mild curry sauce, don't they? That has like no heat to it at all. <laughs> the fuck are we Because mild wasn't mild food? enough. What have we done to food that English people can't fucking eat a vindaloo curry without dying? Yeah, I like I like the toy maker. Neil Patrick Harris was having a ball, doing all sorts of different accents. Yeah. Which, uh, there's a reason for that, because in the original toy maker story, William Hartnell's character impersonates the toy maker's voice, which allows him to basically win the game. Oh, Some right. weird, complex thing. The toy maker in the original show was played by um, Michael Goff. Do you remember Michael Goff? The, the child catcher? No, Alfred... Oh. In the Michael Keaton Batman films. Who was the child catcher? That was Benny Hill. That wasn't. Yeah, it was. Benny Hill. The Benny Hill? Yeah, from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was Benny Hill. Not the not the comedian Benny Hill? Yeah, the comedian Benny Hill. No, it wasn't. The was the child catcher in no, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No, wasn't. You're a fucking... You're a liar. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's Benny Hill. No, it's not. Yeah, Michael Goff was Alfred in Batman. Anyway, um, the whole finale thing was quite good. They did a thing... Um, I've seen some people going, well, that doesn't make sense. Basically, when David Tennant gets shot by a laser again, the Doctor's been killed by lasers a few times now. Um, instead of regenerating, he bi-generates. Um, he just splits into two people. So David Tennant's Doctor, for the second time, gets to have a <laughs> gets to carry on living. Robert Helpman played the child catcher. Benny Hill's in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, but you didn't play the child catcher. Your mum played the child catcher. Your child catcher. How did you think that that was fucking Benny Hill? I don't know. That's a guy with a nose. So Robert Helpman. Anyway. Yeah, so David Tennant's just um, chilling out now, his doctor. 
they oh, so made, he's still alive? Yeah. He just... Because they gave everyone a happy ending. And it was... You know how, like, almost all the assistants, they actually bring it up in this episode, how they sort of... Oh, no, they're still alive, but, like, Clara's living in the last second of her life, stretched out for all eternity somewhere in space, and Bill got turned into an ephemeral water alien that's, like, now travelling through space with a water girlfriend because he got turned into a Cyberman and a body's dead. Um... All these sort of really horrible things that happen to the Doctor's assistants. Like, you know. But no, it's fine. And they make a joke, they make a thing out of it. Because the toy maker's describing what happens. And the Doctor's like, no, no, she's she lived to old age. She didn't get killed by a weeping age. And, and then the toy maker's like, oh, that's fine then. Fucking great. Um, but this time they had a nice happy ending. Donna just gets to have dinner with her family. <laughs> Doctor's living with them. He's got a TARDIS in the back garden. Yeah, he had they allude that he's gone and taken the family to different places, like taking them to Hawaii and stuff like that. I think he died, didn't he, the old man? Bernard Cribbins, yeah, yeah. who was in the Doctor Who movies with Peter Niven back yeah. in the sixties. Yeah. Different character, he wasn't. No, yeah, I thought it was a different. Character. But um, Roy Castle was in them as well. Yeah. Um, Roy Castle from Record Breakers plays the trumpet a lot. No fucking idea. No. Fucking your kids today. Um, but um, and Kute Gatwa made a second TARDIS. They did a thing. Um, I don't like what they've done with the TARDIS interior. Loads of people seem to love it. It's just it's just a big... Everyone goes, it's a completely different set. It's not. It's the same freaking set. It's a big white circle with a bunch of gangways. And it's just got some lights. And that was David Tennant, his new David Tennant's new TARDIS. But when the new Doctor come, turns up, all he does, he's got a jukebox in there. That's his... I guess that's his thing. And he turns the lights yellow. Mm. He turned his Philips Hue bulbs onto warm. And fucking great jumped out of there. Yeah, and I was like, give him, give him his own one. But they weren't going to design a second set, were they? No, they're not going to like spend all that money, basically dressing down the old set. That's that's what they did. They tore off all the weird friggin' Babylon Five, Farscape looking shit that was all over it, and they just painted it white. And instead of like giving Gatwa his own friggin' set, they just like. Uh, they just let him share David Tennant's one, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Cynical me, I guess. Fucking, fucking. My favourite TARDIS interior is the one Sylvester McCoy has, and I guess Paul McGann has in the Doctor Who movie from 1996, because the inside of the TARDIS was just like, like a big old rich person's estate with a massive library. And it was all like a, there was like a fire and comfortable leather chairs and stuff, and it just had the TARDIS console in the middle of it, and that was like really cool. And I'd like it if every Doctor, the interior was like an extension of who they were, like it represented something about them, you know, like let it change and mould gradually as the show goes on as you learn more about them. Like if Peter Capaldi's one was like a rock concert or something, like a seventies, sixties mods and rockers concert venue or something. Like that would have suited him because he was always playing his guitar and, you know, he's a bit of rebellion, a bit punk, that, that doctor. But they don't know. It's just a big white room, fucking boring. Um, mm. It was quite funny that um, Nkude Gatwa was like running around in his pants for the last, for his whole part. He gets the debut wearing a shirt and pants. And apparently Bonnie Langford's got jungle fever or something. Friggin Canonically, for the last 15 minutes of the episode, David Tennant has no underpants on canonically because when they split they like this clothes split between the two of them um, but it was kind of nice because it was all like David Tennant's all like oh I'm upset and he's been through a lot and Gat was like come here bro bring it in he gives him a big hug and he's like he's all about acceptance 
you know, rather than loss, which they always are, because usually they're a bit sad when they regenerate. But this time they made up some bullshit MacGuffin, and uh, I guess they've got the door open to bring David Tennant back every time they feel like doing another... I guess so. It'll be Matt Smith next, won't it? No, I don't know. He's, he's got, not got anything going on. He's got stuff going on. He was in He was in Morbius. <laughs> I can, he'd be in Morbius too, surely. But, um... Yeah, I think they blame it because they got Disney money now, haven't they? And Disney are probably like, we would like more David Tennant, please. So they've probably done all this to give him more David. Even though he's been split into two before. They made a completely human version of him. And Rose got to live in another dimension with him. It's fine. Rose is in another dimension with the Doctor she was in love with, apparently. Because the Doctor's straight, but he's not, maybe. That upset the racists and the weirdos as well. Because the doctor made a joke about, um, he mentioned how he thought Isaac Newton was hot, and went because they bumped into him, and now you can't have the doctor being gay, even though we just had the whole Jodie Whittaker thing was like quite explicitly she's a gay. Yeah. Um, the funny in that episode as well, they, that's the thing upset them. Um, they bump into Isaac Newton at the start, of the pre-credits bit, and he's played by like an Asian dude, and that upset them. They're changing history, and I'm like. It's a show about a spaceman with two hearts who regenerates and cannot die, travelling through space and time, meeting aliens and stuff, and you're worrying that Isaac Newton's a bit brown. I don't know. Yeah. They, they make a joke about gravity to him, and Isaac Newton doesn't hear it quite right, and he thinks the word is mavity, and then for the rest of the episode, whenever they mention gravity on the spaceship they're on, they say mavity instead, which I thought was a good running gag, and I think they should absolutely keep that for the rest of Doctor Who's history from now on. Like they kept the alphabet being wrong in Doctor Who. Just, um, do you know about that? You won't. No. There's an episode of Doctor Who where in order to stop being killed, the assistant has to do a thing to keep the brain active. So they start reciting the alphabet backwards to keep their brain clocking over. Okay. And the assistant's actress accidentally switched U and V around. So now whenever the alphabet appears in Doctor Who, it goes um, QRSTVU. Oh, right. W, X, Y, and Z. They just kept it. Because no. in the Doctor Who universe, apparently V and U are the wrong way around. Oh. Dumb little gag. Yeah, that's quite cool. Though. I want stuff like that in Doctor Who every now and again. Yeah. Because in theory, the Doctor's probably fucked up history enough. Yeah, I've seen so, like... So the reason I asked about the Neil Patrick Harris thing is because I've seen a clip of his appearance. And he has like a real sinister energy to him. Yeah, he it's switches really it up good. a lot. Yeah. But I've seen the place. command centre scene where he's like, he literally changes people into balloons. Yeah, and balloons. someone grabs the head and it screams at them. Yeah. And I was like, that's fucking horrific. Yeah, he's quite good. He's like jumping all over the place, like changing his personality. He's and... like a mix of plissolick. Yeah, mix of plissolick. But there's a bit in that we said, like, how is he doing that? And the doctor goes, if I told you that he could change atoms with just a thought, would you believe me? And she's like, is that how he does it? And I'm like, it's pretty believable. I mean... If you're in unit, like the organisation whose job it is to monitor and contain alien threats on Earth, I think an alien turning things into atoms, like re- reconstituting atoms, is quite normal. Um, Donna gets a job there, and they tell her the wage is sixty thousand a year, and I would tell them to fuck off. I would not work for unit because this this organisation's dangerous for 60000 a year. That is not enough. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. That's fucking nowhere near enough. She yeah, negotiates it up to 120 k plus five weeks holiday. No, Good no, for I'd, her. I'd take it at 60. No, not for that organisation. You're not doing it for the You could job. get you're turned into balls. Yeah, you're not doing it for the job. You're doing it for the excitement. For the excitement. Yeah. For the thrill of it. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of them get thrown off the building 
And then, then she's like, where's my guards? And Neil and Toymaker's like, I imagine they're still falling. Then you hear a... Like in the background. <laughs> Harsh. Um, yeah, not bad. But it was a good set of specials. And we got the Christmas special on Christmas Day, so... Yeah, that's like the big one, isn't it? That's yeah. one everybody waits for. It's got goblins in it. Yeah. I am... Um, or trolls, I don't know. I really don't understand how people that are outraged at fucking everything get through the day. Just like... Imagine saying Doctor Who's gone woke. Yeah. I just, now. <laughs> Adam Driver's Adam Driver's now like yeah. the writer saying that Adam Driver made a joke about people being too woke nowadays when he made a joke about people using the term woke to just describe it just as a pejorative for anything they don't like like he basically he went Adam on stage, Driver woke now he went on stage and he made a joke he went he went it wasn't it wasn't me that killed that killed Han Solo it was wokeness like that like a joke and like and so people on the left have seen he's making a joke because often like Star Wars nerds are quite toxic yeah, the weirdos. They blame wokeness on every like everything's wokeness and it's wokeness's fault. But they've taken it as he's crying the out Empire against the wokes. He's crying out against the wokes. That's what he's doing. I saw a thing the other Adam day. Adam Driver turned to piss the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> There's no actor who has given less of a shit than him. What was I, what was I watching times. the other day and they were like, oh, that would make the US a villain. There was, was something, oh yeah, that was it. So like... It was Star Wars when they yeah, realised... Yeah, the Vietnam War. Yeah. And it's like, they're like, Oh, but wait a second, that would make US the villains. Like, yeah, no yeah. shit. And he wrote it during the World Vietnam War. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely 100% yeah. <laughs> political. <laughs> they, they have Nazi imagery, but they are the Americans. Yeah. They just, like, during Vietnam. Fucking idiots. Um, I don't know. And Doctor Who. Man, Doctor Who's the gayest fucking show on television. Yeah, it's always, always been camp. Been the the reason why it was off TV for years was because everyone thought it was too camp and silly. Yeah. Like... And then they brought it back, and the nineteen ninety six movie is not quite as camp, and it's a bit camp. It's but the nineteen ninety six movie isn't like super gay. Who's the villain in that? It's Eric, Eric Roberts, Roberts yeah. fucking the legend that is Eric Roberts, the campest man in the world, star star of Best of the Best. You didn't even know about Best of the Best until recently. I knew about Best of the Best for years, man. That's been a cult. Was it Best of the Best two? You didn't know about? No, I knew about Best of Best three. I didn't know existed. You don't know about Best of the Best three, Ernie Hudson. But I know Best of the Best two because I remember um, Chris Pine died. Chris Penn dies. You know um, Barry Norman, the film reviewer, legend, made some great pickled onions. Yeah. Um, I remember him reviewing Best of the Best two and going on about how the first film never came out in the cinema over here, but apparently it was such a hit on video they released the second in the cinema. They didn't release the third in the cinema here. Because well, no. um, it was best of the best two. Best of the best two. Who was the starring? It also role? ran in the martial it arts. Wasn't, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't Eric Roberts in the starring role, and it that wasn't was Chris Penn. Was Billy Blanks in it, one of them? Billy Blanks remember. is in the second one. He's in one. He's in something like that. The he? best of the best three is Ernie Hudson teaming up with oh, one of the guys from Best of the Best Two. It wasn't Chris Penn. No. I can't remember. Is it my review? IMDb does this thing where it stops letting me search for stuff. What? The app just stops letting you search for stuff. You type stuff in and nothing comes up. What do you mean? Wait, why? No, I'm not kidding. Because I've looked for enough stuff, but I've typed in best of the best. Nothing. I think best of the best three, the main guy is... The main guy is the guy who trains them in best of the best two. Best of the best three, no turning back. Oh, for God's sake, I'm not going to watch that Mr. and Mrs. Smith friggin' TV series. Stop advertising it to me. Gina Gershon's in it. Best of the best three. Is she? Yeah. Legend. Oh, wait, no, Ernie Hudson isn't in Best of the Best 3. Is he in Best of the Best 2? James L. Jones is in Best of the Best. Yeah, James L. Jones. He's in the first one. Get Eric Roberts with that massive mullet. He's in the second one as well, in the Eric Roberts. He was in both, the first and second one. Which one is Ernie Hudson in? 
I don't know. I think maybe you're um, racist and you're getting Ernie Hudson, no, and James no, L. Jones. No. Is he in the fourth up. one? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. There's a whole lot of like random people in Best of the Best. Um, I don't know who any of these people are. Kane Hodder's in it though. It's Bert. Yeah, that was his. That was his breakout role. It's not even a I'm joke. Freaking breakout. Oh yeah. Okay. Like okay. Four films. So best of the best four without warning. Ernie oh, Hudson. Shit. So it's best of the best four that Ernie Hudson's in. Oh, good. Tobin time. Bell's in it. Oh. oh shit! I got to watch best of the best four again. We had the box set at work a while ago. Did you? How much was it? Um, not much because <laughs> it's best of the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, sorry. So my final review this week is going to be the Christmas. Breakout hit. I predict. Oh, I predict a seventy million opening weekend. Is that high? Christmas. What movies come out this week? Wait. What's 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 high for a box office? What's a good box office score for a film? Like a big breakout. Oh, film? anything under two hundred million. No one gives a shit about it. No, because like no. Come on, seriously. Like a hundred mil what budget film though. Say a hundred mil budget. So mil, you got, need it's got to break two hundred to break million. even. Yeah. So I'd say this is gonna. I'm predicting uh, over a hundred million box office for this weekend billion hundred million hundred billion this that's right Anne. i saw the new film directed by the director of paddington oh wanker wanker i saw wanker come with me and you'll be in a world that somehow isn't consumerist it's really odd me and you'll see a world of pure imagination so this film um, don't mess with me on fucking Willy Wonka shit man I went to go see this film not expecting much came out thoroughly charmed it's a good time but it's from the director of I know and I should have expected it to be good based on that but I I've got my reservations about Timothy Chalamet but (laughs) Olivia Colman's in it Oh, that's okay. And Johnson from the Peep Show's in it. Yes, I remember seeing that on the trailer. That was the thing that got me excited. It's the only thing that got me excited. Johnson Please. is here. Johnson is here. Rowan Atkinson's in it. Yeah, okay. Um, it's got one of the guys from. Well, it's got one of the guys from. You remember um, the Mighty Boosh, the episode where they're crimping? Oh yeah, and it's crimpity, the crimpity, uh, now, yeah now, the, now, the crimpity, alternative crimpity. version of Howard. Yeah, yeah, that's that um, guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's he's in Toast of London. He is, and, and he's yeah. also in he's in uh, Mindhorn as well. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's a really stacked cast, really good cast. Phil Wang's in it randomly, you know the comedian. Phil Wang. Yeah, um, and the girl from Wang. Ghosts is in it, and then it's got a couple of cast members from Ghosts in it as well. Um, Michael Keegan, uh, no, Key Michael Key, Key, no, wait, Keenan Michael Key, Keenan Michael Key, he Keenan. turns up in it. Keegan, Keegan Michael Key. Michael doing Keegan really good King. with names today. No, we're doing bad. He has a great role in it. He... Oh shit! Do you remember when Eric Roberts was in Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden? <laughs> no, I don't. So basically, the story is that Willy Wonka. He, he was um, when he was a young man. His mum was poor, and they but lived on a river. Was a dentist. They lived on a riverboat. All right. Yeah. And the mum would, over the course of the year, uh, save up enough cocoa beans to on one day of the year, which was his birthday, make him a bar of chocolate. And it was a special bar of chocolate using ingredients only she knew. And she would sign it for him with the little Wonka logo like we saw on the chocolate bars in the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that's how that came about, didn't that's it? That's how oh, that God. came about in this, right? Do you find out how Han so you Solo see, you gets see his... Like a small, you see like a small version, like a prototype, ver- like a mm. very small version that she hand draws the symbol on in the beginning, right? 
Yeah. And Willy Wonka, after she dies, goes on a journey around the world to find the most extraordinary ingredients to become a chocolatier. Was his dad a dentist who hated no, sweets? No, that was the fucking shitty Tim Burton one. Yeah, I saw that in the cinema. It's fucking dog it shit. It's fucking awful. So anyway, so he goes on these and like it's all magical adventures. And he in this story, in this version of the story, he's a magician. So we immediately see this in that he gets to London. He has twelve silver pieces. He quickly loses all of them in like a nice little musical montage thing. Like he he goes and he's like standing still too long, and a kid starts shining his shoes, so he gives him a silver coin. And he goes and he's like smells a pumpkin, and someone spooks him, and he drops the pumpkin, and that's three silver pieces. And then when he looks down, the kid's shining his shoes after he dropped pumpkin all over it, and just like it just immediately through this like series of events, he just loses all his money. Mm. But then he's like, I'm fine with this because I will make my millions making chocolate. Like he knows he's got this secret idea. And um, and he immediately gets wang-dangled, fan-dangled. He gets like mixed up with Olivia Coleman, who makes him sign a contract <gasps> that basically says that he's going to be in her servitude for 10,000 days. Okay? Because 10,000 silver pieces, he's going to work for her in a laundromat for 10,000 days. It's like 10 years, three months and something, something, something. Whatever they say in it, 20 years. I don't know, whatever they say in the film. I can't remember. I'm not, I'm not doing the maths because I'm not like you. 30 years. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so... Anyway. So... He... Um, meanwhile, there is a chocolate cartel that have the police in their pockets... The police chief is played by Keegan-Michael Key. 27.3 years. I was close. Keegan-Michael Key, who yeah. is being bribed with chocolate. They're a fantastic song. Johnson does sing, and he's oh, incredible in this. Yeah, of course he is. Johnson. He's so good in this. Johnson is here. Um, and I'm going to say get this. get on the top floor. Timothy Chalamet, like, yeah. really, really good. He's He's got the Gene Wilder thing. Like, it's not quite Gene Wilder, because he's younger, and he's more ide- more idea- so I idealistic. Creepy. Fun? It creeps me the hell out. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, it creeps me. In the this, hell out. I don't think you'll have that. He's he's like really animated and really like, and he does the like because you know like Gene Wilder never comes across as he like, looks like a wooden puppet that's been brought to life. Anyway, so don't <laughs> insult people. That's mean. You only insult bad people. And Timothy Chalamet hasn't done anything wrong yet. He looks like a mid nineties computer generated human boy. <laughs> he looks like he escaped Liza P. Oh god! Why did they? <laughs> why did they make a dark anyway, sauce? Pinocchio anyway, game? it's meant to be really good, so I don't care. Um, anyway, so basically, yeah, he gets stuck in the servitude, and then using like he he comes up with ways of um, making chocolate and, and selling chocolate on the on the fly. Like he becomes like he like learns about all like the the hidden tunnels throughout this town and like how to get around. And he starts selling chocolate and then disappearing. And all his chocolate has like magical effect, effects. So you have this great montage as he's selling chocolate, helping people fall in love, helping people be more confident, mm-hmm. and like giving them all these magical effects. And then like whisking away and disappearing, coming back again. What's that Johnny Depp film with the chocolate? Chocolate. Yeah, that one. Not Charlie Chocolate. <laughs> Not Charlie Chocolate and Chocolate Factory. Um, Charlie Chocolate and the Chocolate Factory. So. Anyway, so <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> no. It's like you were born to make chocolate Charlie chocolate. <laughs> I know people who use subtext and they're fucking cowards. Yeah. 
<laughs> I wonder if Charlie Chocolate's going to be the one to inherit the chocolate factory. Um, this film's very charming. It's it fucking warmed me over. I had a great time. The songs are actually all right as well. There's a couple of good songs in there. Um, and like I said, Timothy Chalamet just like plays the role perfectly. I, he understood the fucking assignment. Like, just gets in there, does what he needs to do. Each scene. Like, he, he, <laughs> it made me laugh because, okay, Anne, there is one trope in this that does not belong in a Willy Wonka film, but it. it I can't find an answer to my question if, if Timothy Shamalai has a soul. So, it's, so, <laughs> you know, my favorite, my favorite joke in Manborg is when they're coming up with a plan mm. and Manborg goes, Does everybody understand the plan? That one guy goes, But Zana, because I never learned to read. Charlie in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, Wonka in Charlie. <laughs> Wonka and Wonka. Wonka and the Wanking Wonka Factory. Wonka and the Wanking Factory. Wonka doesn't know how to read. Oh. So, like... How did he learn how to temper chocolate and stuff? Just lots of, like, well, that's, learning. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, he doesn't... He doesn't... I have no idea. What if his chocolate is fucking shit? He doesn't read. How did like... he get past all the safety requirements? Like, does anyone inspect the chocolate? No, no, this is, like, pre... Like, this is, like, early Victorian, like... <laughs> this is a film set today, and it's about the horrific diseases and illnesses caused by Willy Wonka's fucking chocolate. <laughs> well, there's actually a scene about that in this. So, um, one of the things that I think that you'll really like, and I didn't know this before I went to go see it... injured by a psychotic chocolate... Guess maker. who's in this? Uh, Matt Berry. Bob Fossil. Bob Fossil. That's right. Oh, good. I love Bob Fossil. He plays He's a terrible right. comedian. Yeah, freaking uh, Richard... Fucking what's-his-face? I can't remember his name. But there is... There's a great scene where someone's saying goodbye to him, and it's this character that throughout the film is just like a humorless yeah. prick. Because the guy who directed Panton, he was one of the Mighty Boosh directors. He was, yeah. Yeah, fucking... Yeah. So um, Bob Fossil is in this, and yes, Bob Fossil goes to a zoo. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, like, all in all, just really solid, really fun, and just well-made... Um, like, a film that understands its assignment, oddly enough, doesn't feel like... So a lot of the story in this is... A lot of the reason the chocolate cartel want to take Charlie out is that he offers chocolate to people for a low cost. Ah, oh, disgusting. Whereas the other guys, they price out everyone else. They're, like, they're selling very expensive chocolate. You should have invented Poundland. Pound so he, they all sell very expensive chocolate, and their chocolate doesn't have anything other than chocolate taste. It doesn't have any flavours to it. They specifically say that... Chocolate with flavours is like... It's it's just distracting from what chocolate is. Whereas he's creating these incredible, like, delectable... They have he, obviously never had Cadbury's Dairy Milk with a popping candy in it. One of the best one of the best plot devices in this, the way they, like, sneak past people or knock people out, they give them a chocolate, and it's a night-on-the-town chocolate. Mm-hmm. So they take it, and, like, it's like... It's like, for Hypno. It's got for Hypno. No, 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 no. It? So it's, can... like, it's different layers. So it's like oh. a whiskey fudge. And like a gin center and stuff. And when they take it, like they basically go through the frozen part and then like one stage it goes, and now they'll do something they regret terribly in the morning. And the guy's like, I'm gonna call her. <laughs> he calls up some girl from his class and he's like, Those days in geometry with you were the best days of my life. No, it's me, Tim from the zoo. <laughs> he's like, Well, I shouldn't have done that, and then they fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> like old port that they find in the back of the cupboard is the final step and they just go to sleep. But no, it's just it's just very cute and fun and it's very, very I good. I think every, every fibre of my being does not want to watch no. a freaking Willy Wonka No, exactly. Like, Rich Fulcher, that's his name. That's, that's kind of like where I was at. I went to go see it because Paddington... And also, like Liv was like, let's let's go see Wonka. Like, there's nothing else on. Does Matt Berry turn up? Simon Farnaby. 
Yeah, that's the guy who plays the zookeeper, yeah. You want small eyes? You can got small eyes. I've got small eyes than you, sir. I can fit my eyes inside your eyes five times over, sir. You, sir. You, sir. I've got the eyes of a vole. <laughs> the tiny, tiny eyes of a vole. There's not much in season three of Mighty Boosh that's great, but that episode is like the probably the best Crack one. Fox. <sighs> the Superman. Oh, that's a lovely season game one's you've the, got. Season one's the best series. Nanageddon's fucking incredible. Um, Nanageddon's like a Black Rebel motorcycle gang album like done by the Mighty Boosh. When that season one's the best one. When they had no money. Yeah, season one is the best one. I like Coconut Joe. It looks Milky too good Joe. when you get later on. Milky Joe. The coconut on the island. The uh, first crimp. So, first yeah, crimp. so... Um, Captain Cabinet's Trapped I, I really, I, I really recommend this. Like, it's not... It's not going to win... It's not, like, incredible. Like, I, I just... It's really, really whimsical and fun, and it... And like I said, I was expecting to come out of this and see different chocolates that they had just made to market, but all of them are stupid things. Like, there's one that flies, and there's, like, there's like as I said, there's a little one that is, like, a knight on the town. There's nothing in this where it's, like, this is made to market. It's all make, shit that's, like... One could should make a magical. really normal chocolate bar. Just a really normal one, and someone eats it. Oh, Sally Hawkins is in it. Sally bar. Hawkins from, from Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, no, she's a Godzilla King of the Monsters. And and Godzilla. Yeah, obviously, I know that. Yeah. I know Godzilla. Did you see the trailer from, for Godzilla from, XCOM? From I'm really Paddington. excited about Godzilla and XCOM. Paddington. I haven't watched it yet. Do no. you watch it after this? It's upset the, it's upset the right-wingers. Why? Because Godzilla's got pink like glow coming out of his spines now. He's been pink multiple times before, never mind yeah, that. Yeah, isn't that like... They're also upset that he's running... Because Godzilla doesn't run. Apparently, the critical dream code, you know that twat on YouTube. Um, Godzilla's running and he doesn't like it. Godzilla doesn't run. He runs the all the fucking Widow? time. Is that the Scottish Widow that did an interview with that rapist, Russell Brack? No, no, he's an American, one of the American guys. No, Critical Drinker's Isn't Scottish. He? I don't know, I don't and yeah, never, he, watched, he, he, never he, watched that cunt. He had an interview with fucking <clears throat> Russell Brand after the rape accusations, I'm pretty sure. No, oh, probably. <laughs> but yeah, um, they're upset that Godzilla's pink. They think it's some sort of woke propaganda. And I'm like, Godzilla's had pink fins multiple times. Yeah. Famously, that Shin Godzilla scene they keep throwing around, his fins go pink in that. Isn't it Spines. like? Isn't it like Hell Godzilla's pink gets pink fins? No, Burning Godzilla goes bright red. Burning Godzilla goes bright red, but isn't it like Devil Godzilla or whatever it says? He's got pink fin. He's got the pink spines in um, the two thousands ones. Um, and like when he was very the 60s green, sixties and seventies ones as well. No, it's always grey in the sixties and seventies ones. I've watched a lot of Godzilla. Oh, okay. Fucking, but early millennium, Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, he has purple fins. Oh, But he's also extremely green in that. He kind of looks like one of those knockoff Godzilla toys you'd get in. Oh, the ones Um, with, like, the green accents. The other ones where, like, you you stomp them on the ground, they go... I used to... I got a... I I don't know if I still got it. I had a rubber dinosaur, like a Diplodocus, and you turned it on and it walked, and it made the Godzilla roar. Oh, um, Wonka. Yeah, I really Wanker. enjoyed this. I enjoyed it so much more than I was expecting to enjoy it. Like, it did just... It's two hours, but it just flows by. They don't really <clears> waste <throat> any of that time. Is Matt Berry not in it, then? No, Matt Berry's not in it. But... Uh, he was in Paddington. Was he? Yeah, was it Paddington too? He's a police officer. One of the police constables running around in Paddington. No, he's not. Yeah, he's in Paddington. Matt Berry's in Paddington too. No, he's not. Matt Berry's not in Paddington or Paddington too. Fucking, you don't question me with my knowledge of Matt Berry. Well, you, earlier on, didn't Mr. you Mr. Dixon say, Bainbridge from Mighty <laughs> Earlier on, didn't you say that you thought that the um, thingy was uh, the child catcher? Yeah, look, I know a lot of things, right? Matt Berry was in Book of Boba Fett. People forget that. Yeah, he's not in Paddington 2, mate. What's the one where he's a police officer? Not Paddington 2. Christopher Robin? 
Policeman Bob. Oh, yeah, it was Christopher Chris Robin. The shit film. Yeah. The mm-hmm. shit film with Jason... Uh, Dave. Well, what was his name? Who's that little cunt? It's very easy to mix that James up Corden. No, it's Paddington. not. No, it's fucking not. And how dare you? You need to rewatch Paddington 1 and 2 and get your head straight. I watched them once. That's enough. Your fucking head is on a wobble if that's what you think is happening. I remember when he was in, in Moon. In Moon? He's in Moon. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Matt Berry is in Moon. Fucking got you on that one. He's, you know, when they're communicating back with Earth? Yeah. And he's talking to him? He's the guy he's the communicating with. You barely see him. He's all, all fuzzy, but it's his voice. You recognise his voice straight away. No, he's not. He's not. Oh, yeah. Over he's in Moon. Fucking yeah. Jesus. Suck. You got one right. Yes. One out of four's not bad. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, Wonka. Like, it, honestly, it's it's more interesting than I was expecting. And like I said, like there are there are some really solid jokes in this. There's a moment where there's a moment where the chocolate cartel have paid off the police using chocolate to get them to track down Wonka and stop him from selling chocolate. And uh, and basically, he disappears down a storm tunnel. And Keegan Michael Key just goes, just goes, listen, fellas, we're putting everyone we got on this. We need to track that chocolatier down. And then someone goes. Uh, should we not? Should we not work on all the unsolved murders? And he goes, "No, this is priority number one." <laughs> and also, unsolved murders. Later on, chocolate. F- later, later on, he has a line where where he's running and he stops and he goes, "Um, I'm exhausted. Sorry, guys. I put on about 120 pounds in two weeks because <laughs> they're private." It's my theory that. Hugh Grant's Oompa is only at the end of the film. No, he's throughout it. Uh, he's I thought like, it was going to be a sequel. Hook. So they try and rewrite the whole Oompa Loompa slavery stuff. Yeah. To be less colonial. So basically... Because um, Roald Dahl was a bit of a... He was a massive racist. But he was also yeah. born in 1802 or some was shit. Was he born in India? He was an Indian... Yeah. Yeah. So, so he wasn't my, very happy about being kicked out of that place. So was my nan. Yeah. Um, so um, one of the things one of the things in this is they do rewrite that whole slavery aspect. So basically, Wonka on because on this one he's obviously like travelled the world to find all these flavors and these tastes and these things that he can put in his chocolate. And one of the places like he went dick. to, he stole the cocoa beans from the island the Oompa Loompas live on. Fucking and Hugh thief. Grant was meant to be the guard oh. on duty at the time, but he was asleep. And their their island is not conducive for the growing of cocoa beans. Oh. So the four cocoa beans he stole were the only cocoa beans they had. So now Hugh Grant's on a journey to try and track him down and take back, essentially, I ten hope he gets times it. the amount. He does. Like, he basically just steals jars of chocolate that Wonka's making. And then at the end, he's like, how about I hire you and you work for me, but then I pay you back a million In times. chocolate. Yeah. And then, not money. And then Hugh, Hugh Grant's like, okay, yeah. It doesn't pay him back in money. No. no, so he gets him into a contract that's probably a bit illegal. Yeah. Um, like Wonka was at yeah. the start. Yeah. That's fine then. Is, it? is this just an excuse for you to say all lives matter again? No, this is just... <laughs> you can't have Wonka getting conned into a contract where it's unfair and then he fucking basically enslaves a bunch of Impalimpus who have no concept of money by well, paying no, no, them in no, chocolate. No no, 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 no. I think you misunderstand. Their currency, their island, want the chocolate. That's what they want. That's like their currency. That's like their thing. So he's going to give yeah. them as much as they could ever have. And the Spanish told supply. Native Americans that they wanted the gold. That they wanted fucking little bits of gold for their massive plots of land. Friggin', you know? He's not buying their land, though. I think Wonka's a bit colonial. I mean, he's dodge as fuck, but I don't think... I think you're... Definitely. They're rewriting the slavery aspect. Definitely. He's so definitely got kids in his basement. I don't mean like a paedophile situation, I mean dead ones. Yeah. 
Like he, well, no, not in this film. This is before the Dead Kids. Yeah. He hasn't got a factory yet. Gene Wilder is, and Gene Wilder just. Gene Wilder's a beautiful dream man who everyone loved. Yeah. I still. How about this? Wonka film idea. Loads of weird murders keep happening around the town. People getting turned into giant blueberries, shrunk down to the size of an ant. No one can figure out who's doing it. It's fucking Wonka doing it. But no one wants to believe it's Wonka doing it, even though he's the only one who has the technology. Why does he have this technology? In Blazing Saddles, is it where's the white women at scene that Gene Wilder couldn't stop laughing at? There's a scene in Blazing Saddles where famously Gene Wilder couldn't stop laughing at the delivery. So they've got him laughing at the joke in the film. And I think it is where's the white women at because he's like goes back behind the rock with what's his name, hmm. um, smiling and giggling. Um, there's there's a lot of like really great. Blazing Saddle has great jokes. My favorite, one of my favorite bits is when the guys want to see how fast he can shoot, and he shoots the guns out of the hand, but you don't see it happen. It's in between the cut. Apparently, you see him free do. <laughs> he's just still sat there because that's fast. I um I know it's I know like. This is That's gen- my shooting hand. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like, what's the problem? It's like, it's like, oh, that doesn't seem too bad. He goes, that's not my shooting hand. <laughs> um, there's a joke in See No Evil, Hear No Evil that you cannot, you would not be able to do today. And that's, Naked. you know, where he, he's the you deaf just do the person. Joke. He's the deaf person, right? Yeah, yeah. And they've got the incredibly attractive woman and he's like pressing his fingers to her back to pretend he's got a gun and leading her out the building. And then as they get out of the building, he holds, he goes, he goes, and now you just need to run that way. And she's like, she's like, will you remove the gun from my back? And both his hands are up in the air. (laughs) 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 You couldn't really, like, you couldn't insinuate that nowadays. (laughs) That's, you know, like right-wingers get upset about the wrong things. Like, they get upset you can't make Ceno even weird people because both the leads are dead. I mean, they made, they made it. You could. Richard Pryor has a really good joke as well in his Richard show. Pryor fucked Marlon Brando. Yeah, in in Richard Pryor's show, there's a there's a there's a cowboy scene where they're like they're showing off how strong they are and like how good they are at shooting. And like the first guy takes his gun out and he like shoots a glass as someone's drinking their beer. And then Richard Pryor takes his gun out and he like shoots someone's hat off when they're over like leaving the town. And then the third guy takes his gun out, puts it against his stomach and pulls the trigger. And you just see a hole appear on the other side where the bullet goes through his stomach. And he just holsters his gun and both of them just put their hands on a walk away like no fucking way. <laughs> it's just incredible. Um, anyway, enough of that. Enough of that fun times. Um, Wonka, yeah. Um, I'm going to be at Cape Blanchett. She's not in it though. No, but it's a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was in. I'm really... looking forward to seeing Timothy Chalamet in June Part Two. Please I... <laughs> keep making June films. One of my favorite. One of my favorite jokes. One of my very favorite jokes about Dune Two is uh, Funhouse. We're doing a podcast about it, and they were talking about Dune. You know, Dune. You know the guy. You know the guy who's playing played Elvis is playing the evil guy. And like when he did Elvis, he was like yeah. famously he was like he was like. I couldn't stop doing the accent after I did Elvis because I practiced for so long. And they were, <laughs> I can't wait for Dune to do too, where the guy comes in and he's like, hey there, Paul Matrix. <laughs> I'm here to kill you. <laughs> Use my car. <laughs> it's going to mesmerise him with his hip shaking. <laughs> ah, come out of here. <laughs> Shake my hips. <laughs> so I just want to keep making Dune films because I want Denny Villeneuve to make a film where a character turns himself into a giant worm man. 
I need that to happen. Isn't it like two generations away? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Thousands of years. Dune no, it's gets 150 silly, years. 150 man. years after the it's age more of Portraits. No, it's, it's not 150 years. Dune set thousands of years apart. Yeah, no, you're thinking... Children of Dune is where it gets really weird. And God like, Emperor of Dune is the big fucking... It's the worm. Worm dude. Yeah, and it's Paul Atreides' great It looks grandson. like a guy's put a sleeping bag around himself yeah. and tied it up around his neck. So he, can, so he can feel all the psychic energies. I want to see people talking Oscar contention about a movie that has a giant worm man and in it. And I want I want the guy from Elvis to come in and he goes, I'm going to kill your oh, part shit. of the trees. Oh shit, Beetlejuice 2 is going to have a Dune reference in it, I'm isn't it? I'm going to kill your part of the trees. <laughs> Beetlejuice 2 is going to have a Dune cameo oh, in it. Oh, oh, oh. don't tell. My blue suede shoes are coming up in your face. Yeah. Part of the trees. I'll kill you. I love it. Tim Sherman is just going to be doing his Wonka voice for the whole thing. It's his own voice. He just does an American accent. Oh. He doesn't even do an English accent. Gene Wilder's American. Yeah. And Johnny Depp's a pedophile in his one. That was so shit. How did they fuck it up so badly? I saw it in the cinema, man. It's so... It's painful. Here's the weird thing, right? A film made in the 60s. Everything in that magical land 70s, looks... 1973. Freaking 1973, sorry. Everything in that everything in that scene where they're going through the magical field that's all edible looks like sweets, looks edible. Yeah. In the two thousands one, it looks like you can't even touch it without dying. It looks like they put Vaseline on the screen for that whole film. Yeah, it just is so I hate f- that film. Oh, it's so bad. And there are people that defend it. There are people that say it's good. Fucking psychopaths. Like that should have been the first warning sound that Johnny Depp just needed to be stopped. Time to reassess Tim Burton's movies. Are you saying that the school for peculiar children isn't good now? <laughs> what, the fucking goth X-Men film? Yeah, the one he made. I remember, I think the last one I watched that I thought was partially alright was um, Sweeney Todd. I didn't like Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I didn't like it much, but I think it was the only one was partially alright. I said I haven't watched Big Eyes. I want to watch Big Eyes. Corpse Bride was fine. Yeah, yeah Corpse Bride's fun, yeah. It's fine. I saw it in the cinema. Um... But it's like every Back other... when you'd still get excited about a Tim Burton film. Yeah. I saw Alice in Wonderland cinema. That was shite. Yeah, that's <laughs> shite. Big Fish was okay. Yeah. Albert Finney's in that. He's all right in that. Yeah, no, the one with the the paintings. The biggest Big Eyes I didn't watch. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I want to see that, because that's the story that's... Frank and Weenie's fine. Because um, Big Eyes is one of those stories that I always want to see be turned into a film, and they did it. Cause yeah, because it's, the woman's, it's the woman's husband stealing her art style, right? I never see those films when they do that. No. Because... Um, Argo was another one. Argo is one story that I always wanted to see turned into a film. They did it. The I never watched it. The one of the people that were well, they fake making a movie to get some. I lent um, you that Christmas 4K, album. didn't I? No, I don't. Oh know. no, I lent you because I bought free from France. So I've got that, and I got Kong Skull Island. I still haven't watched the Tetris series. It's a film. It's not bad. Is it a film. It's fine. It's a series. No, it's a film. Yeah. It's only two hours. Because I wanted to watch that. Because people kept joking for years about a Tetris movie, and I was like, I know exactly how I'd make it's a Tetris. It's really movie. funny. It's a Tetris movie made from the perspective of someone that already knows Tetris exists. Mm. It's not done like a bi- like biographical film. It's done as if someone has has written the story, knowing that Tetris becomes one of the most popular games of all time. Does it mean freaking? Make- but it's still good. It is still good. And it's still interesting. Um, I liked. I didn't mind Tetris at all. I want to see that Blackberry film. It's directed by an art house director who does like. Um, he's done a few really funny films. He's in. Oh, it. Dennis is bald. Yeah, yeah. But um, and De- Jay Baruchel's in it. Who's secretly been killing it for years. Like he did Goon killing and Goon who? too. Who's he been killing? Everyone. Oh. 
He even he was he was good in uh, what was it? Um, How to Train Your Dragon. He's really good in those. Those are all right films. I've only watched the first two. Oh, so you watched the one where Jerry Butts dies? Yeah. Sad. Yeah. The third one's good. Did you like the third one? Didn't watch the TV series. I didn't watch the TV. Didn't series. watch the Christmas specials. Didn't watch Christmas specials. Um, They're rebooting it, aren't they? Doing a live action one. Yeah, with Jay Baruchel. But he's supposed to be a kid. No, he's not. Like he, I think they're re, redoing it in a different way, though. Uh, I don't think it's like the same story as the first one. Uh, Although Jerry Butts could still come back. Oh, Greenland's getting a sequel as well. You mentioned that earlier, didn't you? Yeah, they said that ages ago. It hasn't turned up. No, but I think it's not. Those films can't right. take long to make. Yeah. On Greenland. It's almost as long as Moonfall, isn't it? Did you watch Moonfall? No, I've still not watched Moonfall. I've not watched that masterpiece yet. It's actually fun. Yeah. It's fun in a very stupid way. It knows how stupid it is. Good old Halle Berry. She's yeah. picking great books. But it's Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Patrick Wilson's good. Like, I like Patrick Wilson. He's just, he's like, he's that actor, isn't he? He's the Aaron Eckhart of our time. He's the Kevin Bacon of our times. Character actor. Did you, like, so I used to really, like, Aaron I used to really like Aaron Eckhart. What's he in now? Nothing. Nothing, exactly. He's in, like, Amazon Prime stuff, but apparently, like, he's a diehard Mormon. Oh, And no. those guys are, like, proper pedo. Like oh. weird marrying their kid shit oh. yeah well at least not Scientologist um, uh, go invent the fucking thing cause Scientologists it's like, don't have the same reach as like, the, anyway sorry this has been episode 224 as always you can find Ant at he's quite tall he's got quite a good reach no he's, he's like 5'6 five, 5'7 five, is he I thought yeah, he's quite tall he always tall. looks tall in films they always wear lifts mate oh. Tom Cruise looks at least 5 foot yeah he's 4 foot <laughs> doing real life yeah, he's a so bit. He's got, he's got such long shins. He's very upset about missing the Oompa Loompa role. Help to Hugh Grant. <laughs> Hugh Grant hated it. They could have it. saved so much money. Apparently, Hugh Grant fucking hated it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you can find at Ant's Bot Collection. You can also find him at World Wars Hat on Twitter and Blue Ski. Um, he's also um, at LV52 Space Monkey on both. 52? What the fuck? LV54 Space Monkey on both. Um, and you've got a YouTube channel. You got Antibot collection. Have I? Who cares? Mellow gaming. Fucking no one's watching. You can find me critical clips at everywhere. As always, have a good time. Be safe. ASMR. 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 I'm. I'm. I'm unwrapping. Here's some ASMR for you. No. No. What is that? What are you doing? You playing a Glock and shit? I don't know how to do ASMR. That's quite good, actually. I quite like that. Are you secretly like? like Working out that you're really into ASMR, and I'm gonna like hear you playing videos where you're just like speaking into a mic pretty gently. It's what the kids are into nowadays, they're all no, perverts. Not, so many years ago, man, like you'll get with a, it's not ASMR anymore. Oh, it's, wait, kids, it's, it's pretending that you've transferred into another realm of consciousness because no, you've learned you've got I know what imagination. kids are into nowadays. What ridiculously long form videos about niche subjects, vaping. They're into vaping. No. Do you remember, like, into a little while ago, people on, people on Twi- on TikTok started learning that you could imagine you were different places, and they were like, I went to the Harry Potter world. I was in another world where I was Harry Potter, and I was going, you're a wizard, Harry. Who's the imagination? And it's just like, yeah, it's literally just them sitting there and imagining they're somewhere else, and they thought that that was them transferring to a different consciousness. Fuck's sake, man. What's happening Jesus to the world, fucking, man? Jesus Christ. I'm still part of that. I'm still part of that cult Reddit page, the Twin Flames one. And every so often you get someone being on there and they'll be like, my Twin Flame doesn't love me anymore. They haven't spoken to me in four years, but I still have dreams about having sex with them. What should I do? Should I put on more pressure? It's like, no, just go away. Just go get a new boyfriend or girlfriend. Just do whatever. But stop stalking a person. Well, oh, but then my Twin Flame. It's like, yeah, that's what you think. 
but they are in a relationship with kids and married. So move on. They clearly have. No, my twin flame. I need them. I'm going to just go contact Kate Blanchett. She's my twin flame. She's your twin flame. Yeah, yeah. You got twin flame energy, yeah. do you? And for once, age appropriate. So you know, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Oh, she's yeah. older than you. Is she? By five or six years. Oh, that's okay. That's still age appropriate. To you? Yeah. That might not be age appropriate to her. Half your age plus seven. That's not what she says. That's, she's that's how an it English works. rose. It's half your age. She doesn't need the plus seven. She fucks young and she fucks hot hand. We're gonna have to get you to the gym. Not Kelly Brook. She. Kelly Brook doesn't exist. I've told you this so many times. You've Googled her in front of me and nothing comes up. You keep telling me she's an actress, then where are our credits? Piranha 3D. <laughs> that isn't a real film. And that one with... Billy Zane. Uh, Billy Zane. Billy yeah, Zane. Yeah. Yeah. Another imaginary actor. Are you crush? No, that was the uh, Jessica Alba one. That was the Jessica Alba one. Yeah. You're thinking the one on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Escape to Midnight. That one. Knife in the Water. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a Polanski film. <laughs> God fucking damn it. That's another person who deserves prison. Yeah. Well, I like Polanski's... Well, I like, I like some of Polanski's films. It's, yeah, do you? You're like enabling a rapist. In years. Yeah, he's lost it because he's a fucking rapist. Oh, is he? Yeah, and a pedophile. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is! Fuck's sake. Ah... Rishi Sunak is a fucking dumb cunt. And he's short as well. That's fucking funny. Don't take the piss out of short people. He's so short though, Anne. It's funny that he makes the newspapers make him look tall. Did you see him standing behind a podium the other day? I was like, that motherfucker. No, I couldn't because the podium was in front of him. (laughs) I saw it and I was like, you couldn't have gotten a smaller podium. You couldn't have tried that. It's like something saying, shot! You're you a short motherfucker and nobody likes you. Short. How you done? <laughs> when you were born, the doctor said, hey, look, this dumbass baby's got a tiny little body and I hate it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm done. Done. Can we watch this, this trailer for Kong vs. Kong X? Bye. 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 We're going to watch a trailer.